For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcast. While R28 or 30 or 31 up the country has passed, yesterday in the UK they hit 40.3 degrees Celsius and it sparked wildfires. It really and truly did. And many of the papers, uh, not just the English papers, but the Irish ones as well, carry photographs of uh, the devastation and the homes that were lost and indeed the ravaging wildfires that were sparked by very, very dry very dry grass and of course even the slightest spark it takes off and it goes like literally like wildfire the ambulance service in London had the busiest day yesterday since uh, the second world war apparently Uh, the heat wave goes out with a bang now and uh, you know who knows how the the coming weeks will be maybe we'll get weather that we'll be uh, able to enjoy without all of the warnings and all of the worries about climate change and what have you Uh, but I I did read in the the papers that they were uh, saying that um, barbecues are banned in the greater London area, um, you know, absolutely under no circumstances, and they're telling people to make sure that there's about like five or six feet between the wall of your house and any dry grass or leaves or anything, because if the dry leaves there, they were saying yesterday, um, sparked, of course the leaves would light, everything would light, and the house would burn, and houses did burn, and all of the papers carry it uh, in quite some detail. Uh, the Met Office is saying that extreme heat uh, could return. That record high temperature seen in recent days uh, will dissipate, okay, but will drop down into the low 20s. But that might not be the end of it. We could be dealing with highs again before the summer is out, according to the Irish Met Office. Uh, and they also say that it's too hot to handle for us, that we're literally not ready for heat waves or the cost, the ultimate cost, or maybe we're seeing it now, the cost of, of climate change, that we're not prepared for it. Uh, but one thing that's very, very depressing in all of the papers, and I dealt with it on the air yesterday and indeed the day before and last summer and every time we get a good bit of weather, you know what it is, it's the litter on our beaches. So beaches strewn with litter after people flocked there, uh, and particularly on the hottest day in 135 years. Apparently they lifted over 10 tons of rubbish, primarily beer bottles, soiled nappies from one particular beach in Dublin yesterday after people were soaking up the sunshine on Monday. Can you imagine that? 10 tons of it. And I I hate being down in any particular section of society, but when you look at the filth and the debris and the junk that's left behind, it's okay, it's plastic bags, it's fast food, it's sandwich wrappers, it's all sorts of stuff like that, but it's primarily booze, huge quantities of it, bottles and cans and plastic. And I have to wonder, really, is that all being generated by families with their children? I think not. I think a lot of it is partying. I really do. I think it's people coming down with huge amounts of alcohol, crates and bottles and the likes and cans and and slabs and what have you, and just leaving it behind them. That's what I can see from many of the photographs on the beaches. And you know what? Uh, We're not uh, in any way any better than the beaches in Dublin because the same thing's been happening down our neck of the woods. Now, AIB uh, turning uh, 70 of its 170 bank branches across the country um, cashless. Uh, They say that uh, they have to do it because digital use is soaring and the cost of holding on to cash is getting more and more expensive. So they break down uh, the the banks that AIB are turning cashless, uh, not just at the counters now. It's not that you go into the counter and fill a withdrawal form. It's the ATMs outside in the wall. They're taking them out. Years ago, it was robbers and burglars trying to take ATM machines out with diggers and 
you know, building equipment and what have you. Now it's the banks doing it themselves. So there could be up to an hour's drive for many people in rural areas of Ireland trying to go to a bank that has cash or will take cash or indeed, uh, you know, not just that, safety deposit boxes, night safe, check lodgements, all that kind of stuff to go. And here on Leaside, 12 Cork branches are going to be hit by the changes uh, where there'll be no more cash, no more check services, no, no more ATM outside. And what the, what the AAB are saying, it's a real own goal, I think. And um, they're saying, go to your post office. So it's happy days for the post offices going forward. Do you recall a few years ago that we were saying that we were going to have the death of post offices in Ireland? I think not. Quite the opposite. And here's a bank that we bailed out, incidentally. So I'll go through that a little later on this morning and tell you the bank branches. And believe me, this is only the start. There'll be more to come. Once you get your feet under the table, of course, you're in the driving position, foot on the accelerator. So I'm quite sure that they probably will roll out more changes to more banks until ultimately there'll be no cash whatsoever. There'll be no ATM. And you know, they talk about debit card. Well, everybody's using a debit card. Everybody's using tap and go and all that kind of stuff. Not everybody. It's a whole generation of people that absolutely love cash. At the same time, energy prices are going up. And apparently they're saying that taxpayers and householders will be, are being urged to check your income tax returns. That there could be about 660 euro in it for you. Um, and when you add it all up, it seems that they say that Irish taxpayers, over a million of them, overpaid the revenue by 620 million. Now, um, you might want to go and check that out yourself. Uh, but on Money Matters, it's holiday time and it's summertime, even for our TDs. But did you know that uh, the Irish Daily Mirror tells this morning that TDs will be continued to be paid, even though they're not travelling to Dáil Éireann from all sorts of different parts of the country, but those that are travelling furthest away will continue to make the highest travel expenses. So all of the TDs continue to get travel expenses across the summer. You couldn't make this thing up. TDs will be paid an average of €5,000 each during their holidays while the rest of the country struggles with the cost of living crisis. And the furthest away will make the most. And these, of course, are, they'll be pulling completely unvouched travel and accommodation expenses during the annual summer recess. How in the name of God does that work? Uh, where you're not going to Leinster House, you're not staying in a hotel, you're not putting petrol in a car to go to Dublin, but yet you can still claim expenses for it when you're not doing... I mean, if that was in the private sector, you just would never get away with it. I see within Fianna Fáil then they're saying, oh yeah, well if we do have to have a new Fianna Fáil boss, it's really important that the Fianna Fáil boss must come from the capital. What are they saying? They tried a cork Taoiseach and it didn't work. The Greens at the meantime then want to cut back on the national herd, which would mean culling cows, actually killing cows. That's my understanding of the word cull. It's a front page of making the mail today. Um, and then there's a lot of health-related stories. Why wouldn't there be? One of them is the health and safety of ambulance staff. 170 attacks on ambulance staff. One of them I was telling you about recently here on Lee side, where uh, paramedics, paramedics came across a gentleman who was, uh, you know, out of it on the streets of Cork. And um, when he came round, up came the fist, smacked a, a, a paramedic. So apparently uh, they break it down in the papers this morning with regards to the amount of uh, physical assault, threats, intimidation and sexual assault against ambulance staff. And meanwhile, this survey or this research that's come out uh, in America saying that um, depression is not linked to low levels of serotonin in the brain. It's a theory dating back to the 1960s, quite controversial, more so now, because they're saying that the widespread use of antidepressants is not grounded in science, 
because depression is not caused by a chemical imbalance, uh, meaning that up to 8 million people who are taking antidepressants might want to think again or they may want to come up with another treatment. I mean, it's fairly heavy-duty stuff. And then we spoke of Love Island yesterday on the air. A lot of texts on our conversations yesterday. I'll come back to them later. Uh, But it makes the mirror today where they've been accused, those behind Love Island have been accused of letting male contestants misogynistic and coercive controlling behaviour to be aired completely unchallenged. Papers also this morning talk of some musical story. I'm watching the three-parter on the Rolling Stones at the moment. It's unbelievable. It's just incredible. First episode was uh, Mick Jagger. Second episode was Keith Richards. And of course it'll go on and on, but I'll watch the third episode uh, tonight. But um, but while they don't make the top ten greatest hits of greatest hits of all time, they don't make it at all because the likes of Queen and ABBA and the Beatles and Adele and Oasis and Pink Floyd and Fleetwood Mac and Michael Jackson, Dire Straits and uh, two Michael Jackson albums in the top ten. Isn't it amazing that uh, Michael Jackson albums are still selling huge, not just selling physical sales, but also downloads and streaming. But yet people on radio stations are very touchy-feely about playing a Michael Jackson song anymore. But by all accounts, Queen's Greatest Hits is the number one. So they're still rocking you. Uh, The Greatest Hits has become the first album to sell 7 million copies through a combination of physical sales, downloads and streams. And it's amazing that a lot of them are nostalgic albums from yesteryear. Queen, ABBA, The Beatles, uh, Floyd, Fleetwood Mac, Jackson and Dire Straits. Adele gets in there at number four and Oasis at number five at What's the Story. Um, But I love this story uh, regarding seagulls because if you ever go into uh, the beach or go on your holliers, whether it's here or indeed overseas, you see the greedy seagulls waiting to pounce or actually pouncing. I've had stories on air of a seagull that swooped down on someone having chips uh, and just snaffling chips. Um, Apparently they've come up with a new app that you can download to your phone. It's a track. I haven't heard it before, but I do have it here. So apparently you download this to your phone um, and it drives the seagulls nuts and they will stay away from your food. A bit like Feed the Birds. Remember that from Mary Poppins? But apparently if you have this app uh, and you got seagulls around and they're wrecking your head. You play this. I don't know about driving the seagulls crazy, but it's driving me crazy. <laughs> I must try it. I wonder if this has been scientifically. Is this grounded in science or what? Buy Gull Buy, expertly created to safely deter seagulls from getting too close to your food. Did you ever watch Al Fresco or Outdoor Dining? I saw it recently down in, in Port McGee outside the Smuggler's Cafe. They got outside tables there. You sound, sit down and you eat. And off in the distance, you got four or five seagulls watching you. They're seriously brainy, these seagulls. They're watching you. And the minute you get up from the table, the minute you get up from the table and leave everything behind you, They pounce. They absolutely pounce. They're massive things. And they can smash glasses. And they can smash plates. And it's all in the quest for food. So that's a good one there with regards to downloading that uh, tune. Keeping it on your phone and fire it off when the seagulls come too close. And the thing that annoys people are um, adverts, particularly television adverts. And there's a story in the mail this morning that hones in on on a few of the most annoying 
uh, TV adverts. Uh, I encourage you to text your one. Text uh, 0868104106 with regards to the adverts that wreck your head. So we downloaded a few of them for you. Um, one of the most annoying, apparently, uh, although it has made the owner of the company a multi-billionaire at this stage. What I love about that is the word spondulix. Because I always thought that was a cork word. I mean, it's a cork word, isn't it? Spondulix. Uh, the, another one, um, I haven't heard this one. It's just marked loaded up. It's a silly bang, silly bang. Remember me, Barry Scott. Over a million women around the UK are at it. They've replaced their multi-purpose cleaners with Silid Bang Universal Degreaser. Hobs, grills, surfaces, pots What's and pans. What's wrong with that? So wonderful. Silid Bang Universal Degreaser. Bang, and the dirt is gone. Ah, yeah, but have you ever used Silid Bang? I mean, it's magic. <laughs> it's an incredible product, but apparently it wrecks people's heads. There's more of those. I'll come back to them throughout the course of the morning. Text 0868104106 with your most annoying TV ads. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106, Red FM. Nina, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good, and I'm going to be talking a lot more about the proposed bus corridors. Now, there isn't a part of the city that this isn't going to impact on, and if you look at the the map of the whole city and suburbs where all of the different routes are laid upon each other, it's a huge, big change. They're going to be taking, uh, you know, trees out. They're going to be taking roads out. They're going to be making roads one-way, main roads. They're going to be taking away people's front gardens, public parks. I don't mean to alarm people, but this is on an extraordinarily huge scale, and a lot of it will be done done by a compulsory purchase order where if people don't come together for change they won't be able to stop this. Maybe others feel that it's going to be a good thing anyway. But in your specific instance, you are part of a group that certainly don't want anything to happen to the Mangala where there's a proposed bridge to go over it and it probably will destroy the eco-structure there. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, the people of Douglas are just absolutely furious and devastated about this. Um, I mean, a 20 metre wide bridge. So there'll be two car lanes, two bus lanes, plus footpaths, and it will destroy half of the mature woodland with all the wildlife, the fish, everything gone. And um, it's, I mean, it, it's just not acceptable. We're, we're, we're going to fight this. I mean, it, there's no way we'll allow this to happen. I, I even created a petition called Save the Mangla, funnily enough. Um, and um, we're getting loads of signatures in. And I wouldn't have known about this. There are, there are no leaflet drops for most of the residents of Douglas. Uh, and most of the uh, residents for anyone full stop. We are talking about in total anyone, 75 yeah. kilometres of new bus lanes. I've already said it in the intro. 12 sustainable transport corridors all over the city and the suburbs. But this bridge will go through the Mangala and over the Mangala to what, yeah. create a new road, to widen a road, to do what? To, um, so it's part of the bus connect, connection between um, uh, the Kinsale Road to across to uh, Maryborough, and they're going to be they're going to be destroying uh, a lot of the road anyway by creating um, cycle lanes and bus lanes. But over the Mangla, it's basically what they're trying to do is build it a road from Grange Cross across the, the, the old Carrigaline Road. Gotcha. Yeah, it's a huge job. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a huge. Now, now I mean the Mangla is. 
just it's a haven of thank you I, wanted to, I just wanted to move on to that for somebody who's not from that area uh, just explain it and talk through it um, so it's Ballybrack Woods known as the Mangla and it's right in the heart of Douglas Village now it's um, it's generations of people have enjoyed it and it's a site of huge historical importance because of its connection with the mills in Douglas, which are kind of the foundation, really, of Douglas. And why is the Mangala, I mean, that's short for the Mangles, isn't it? Why is it connected to the, was it the woolen mills? The, it was mostly Morrow mills, um, which um, the, the building still exists um, in Donnybrook. And what they did is they grew the Mangles there that were used to feed the horses. Oh, that in the okay, so it wasn't the mullet woolen mills, it's the Donnybrook mills. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. now, they, now all the mills were connected. Um, now, as far as I know, it was it was the Mora mills, but maybe it was used for the other mills as well because there's, there were mills where uh, the community park is now. So it was a mill there as well. So we're looking at a natural so, habitat, a habitat, and as you were saying in your, in your petition, a mature woodland, really beautiful with a, a very diverse ecosystem, right? Not just plants, shrubs and trees, but also uh, creatures and all sorts of different animals living there. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, on, I run the Douglas Now Facebook page. Um, and the people are posting pictures of the mangle and somebody posted a picture last week of a lovely little hedgehog that somebody saw. Hedgehogs. You know, when people take pictures of trout and these beautiful birds, there are herons there every year. Um, well, will the birds disappear just, and will the trout disappear and will the hedgehogs disappear yeah. and the hares and the rabbits, and the, will they? Absolutely. I mean, the building stage alone will kill all the fish. Uh, it's as simple as that. Um Everything will disappear because lit- it's literally 50% of the woods will be destroyed, completely decimated. It'll be gone. And even um, on the Caragaline uh, roadside, they're going to cut all those trees down, that side of it, and cut, um, remove all the pathways. So, I, I, I mean, it, it's a natural environment, and they're trying to save the environment by destroying a natural environment. Yeah. Um, and it's unique to Douglas, this, this, this woods, and it holds a very special place in everyone's heart. I mean, it's so many memories, generations of us, and kids love going down there. Yes, love yeah. Going oh, my God, we, we use it all the time. People are always walking there, walking yeah. their dogs. It's just it's just a haven of peace and tranquility. Um, it is. Do you th- and, and, but people will, like, maybe that's the price of moving forward, you know, trying to get people to use cars less and buses more and get traffic moving more efficiently. Maybe we have to surrender some of the things we love for that. Yeah, at what cost, though? And I mean, this particular bridge, um, I, there's no need for it whatsoever because there's going to be a road built from Scarth Cross at the top of Donnybrook Hill across to Carris Hill. So it's, it's just slightly further up the hill. There's going to be a road across anyway. So there's absolutely no need for this. And the junction they're looking to build the road is already completely over-congested. So, I mean, this is not going to help traffic. Okay. Also, and, yeah. Also, know, yeah. Quite, also, quite, with, also within there, I believe, because we mentioned an awful lot of the different species that live there, foxes as well. Bats. Yeah. I would have thought that bats are a protected species. You can't touch anything that involves their natural Absolutely. habitat. How come it's not a no-go area because of bats? I don't know. Now, the Douglas Tidy Towns um, do great work there. Um, and, they, I mean, they maintain the woods keep it pristine, they clean it up and they build paths and they, they have all the, the natural habitats and as far as I know hedgehogs are somewhat protected as well and bats and it should be a conservation zone 
absolutely should be a conservation And zone. what are you going to do about it? I remember some years back there was a story, this was in the Wilton area, where there were proposals to uh, dig up a lot of people's front gardens and, you know, seize their front garden, you know, the bic- put in bicycle With lanes. CPOs, and, yeah. Do you remember all that CPO yeah. stuff? And I remember at the time the headline was, grannies are willing to chain themselves to diggers. And they won out in the end. What are you guys proposing? Yeah. Well, what we're doing now is, um, I mean, the petition has been signed by a lot of people and shared by a lot, a lot of people. And people, people aren't on Facebook. A lot of people don't know about this because there are no leaflet drops. So what we're going to do is we're going to campaign to the nth degree with the petition, um, which um, we're going to present to the, the NTA. The NTA are trying to railroad this and do it under the radar, but we're not going to And of course, this is all happening out of the NTA Dublin. What about the 31 councillors we have inside in City Hall? Uh, are they all city? Is that yeah. a city or county area? Or does it straddle both? We're, si- we're city now. We're city now. All right. And what yeah. are they saying about it? Your local reps, for instance? Um, well, there are only really three that are making any statements. Karen McCarthy is um, one of them, I believe. Isn't that Karen right? McCarthy Lorna Bogue is, one, is another yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. And um, last sorry, was it Friday, I think. Yeah. There was um, just um, a meeting in, in the Mangla, and there was um, uh, Mary Rose Desmond. Mary Rose. Seth Cattle were there as well. Yeah, Mary Rose, yeah. yeah. Um, so they were there. So they're vocal, and they spoke to people about it. And I mean, what, what we've been told is basically submissions, official submissions, have to be made so that they can, that the NTA can officially see how angry people are. So are the NTA, are, are they into negotiation and uh, are they into kind of talking this through or changing their plans? Or? Um, well, I mean, it remains to be seen, but um, it depends on these these public consultations that they're holding. That's the one at the end of the month in Douglas, I'm not sure of the date. But, I mean, I don't know if they're actually going to willingly engage with people. Um, or if, if it's just, you know, for optics, I, I, I really don't know. So it remains to be seen. But I mean, we'll, we'll campaign. I mean, we, we'll campaign our councillors. We'll campaign, if need be, our local TDs. Now, I do know there's one local TD um, who is speaking out against this, Donica O'Leary. Yeah. He is speaking out against this. But we'll campaign our local TDs. We'll, we'll campaign. We won't, we won't allow this to happen. It's a, it's a, step, it's a step too far. When you're... you're destroying nature to try to cut, uh, to help the environment with more bus routes. Yeah, I know. It, I, it, it it's doesn't a, make sense. Okay, so this is an inf- important fight for, for you guys and, you know, you talk on behalf of the Mangle and the Greater Douglas area. There isn't a city suburb that won't be touched on this, as I say. Uh, it's probably it's probably important that people are armed with information of how it could affect their own local parish or their own housing estate or their own main road, Right isn't it? That's what pre- yeah. people need yeah. to know. We're looking at more Absolutely, footpaths, yeah. cycle tracks, big wider bus lanes, one-way traffic. Yeah, I can see the upside oh, to this people, is, is to make bus routes people, faster. Um, I know, I know. Yeah, I know. And, and people, I mean, people outside their front doors, people who are li- living literally on these routes are, are just, they, they can't believe it yeah. because there, there's, no, there's no engagement with the public. Okay, so here, um, here are the routes before I let you go. Uh, Dunkettle to the city, Mayfield to the city, Blackpool to the city, uh, Holly Hill into the city. And when I say Holly Hill, I'm talking about Holly Hill, Knocknahini, Churchfield, Shandon, Grandbraher, Ballancolic to the city, Bishopstown to the city. Huge changes for people living in housing estates in all these areas. Toker to the city. And when you say Toker, for instance, you're talking about Pierce Road, Powderduff Road, Noonan's Road, Greg Road. It's enormous 
enormous, isn't it? Where is the information available to people if they want to see what the heck is going on? Um, it's on the NTA website. Now, I think, um, I'm trying to see, well, anyone in Douglas who wants to find out, it's on the Douglas Now page if they want to join that. Okay, um, okay. But so I, I can't, I, I, it's on the NTA website. Now. I'll deal with that, don't you worry. I, I'll deal with that and I'll get a link and I'll post all of the details on my own channels. But if somebody wants to sign your petition, you know, what can they do? Um, so it's called Save the Mangla and it's with uplift.ie. So if, if you just Google it and um, sign it and share, share it with as many people as possible. And people are getting word of mouth now as well who wouldn't have heard about it. And do you need so, X uh, amount to sign for people to sit up and listen to you? You know the way it works now? Do you have to do that? Yeah, well, we need as many as possible. As many. And there, it's such a huge area. I'm talking thousands. The more people who sign, the better, the stronger our case to stop this from happening. Okay, okay. It's just, you know, th- th- we, want them to, to, we want them to stand up and listen. And you figure if more people in your greater community area knew about it, they won't stand for it. Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Okay, Absolutely. good stuff. Okay. Yeah. Nina, stay in touch. Appreciate you taking the call. This big story. Thank no, you. No problem. No problem. Thanks, Neil. Text 0868104106. Ash, good morning. Uh, Ash, can you hear me? No, not there, I'm afraid, unfortunately. Let me try line two instead and see, come back to Ash in a minute. Uh, Loli. Hi, Ioli. Ioli, my apologies. It uh, got it wrong there in the spelling. But do you want to pick up on this? I know you emailed me with regards yes. to all of these proposed changes. How aware of you of the scale of these changes? Yeah, so Neil, I did not have any clue about this until about um, a few weeks ago when I found out through Facebook. And I happen to live in the Kosh Quilta estate, which is literally a few meters away from where the proposed build is um, supposed to stand. So that affects me and all of the residents of the estate directly because it would affect from, I don't know, the air that we breathe to what we see from our terrace to what we hear all day long we wouldn't be able to escape this 24-7. And the fact that nobody bothered to come and tell us and inform us about this is just shocking to me. Um, It's just been done, everything kind of in a very sneaky way, I feel, in the middle of the summer when everybody's away uh, with a deadline to object against this. Um, which ends in the at the third of October, if I'm not mistaken, mm. and it was recently extended. Mm. So, no information, no transparency. Um, it's just shocking. It's just shocking. Yeah, um, it's not any one specific area of the city or the suburbs. I mean, I've been going through the different areas myself, and I've just mentioned them there in my chat there a little while ago. But uh, all told, it's 75 kilometres of new bus lanes. It would be 12 new transport corridors, the north, south, west and east of the city. It will involve, um, you know, a lot of one-way traffic. It will involve uh, a lot of widening of roads. It will involve taking out quite an amount of footpaths. It will also put in huge amounts of cycle tracks. And most alarmingly, people need to be aware that they're coming after your gardens as well. Yeah, that's that's literally our front porch here. We don't have a garden, but the mangala is our garden, is our front porch. It's Douglas's garden. It's it's Douglas's jewel. And, um, you know, it's a very special thing to everyone here. You always... 
go out. That's that's the first thing I do in the morning. I, I hit the mangala. It's, it's something that I do for my physical and my mental health. And you always see the usual crowd, the people with their dogs, the people with their kids. So, yeah. so there's... Um, but it's not going to be totally. It's not going to be totally annihilated, though. There still will be access, yeah. Well, there will be some access, but the best part of it, the most central part of it, the the valley, basically, which is brimming with plant life and wildlife, that will be destroyed. And I understand that we do need better transport in in Cork. We do need some solutions, but as Nina said, at what? Cost. Yeah, yeah. This is just a cause that Douglas residents are not willing to accept. And I want to know from other residents of other suburbs as well. But do you not think that we need to do something about reducing the amount of? I know that you know electric cars will be the way to go from twenty thirty and what have you. But right now, to reduce the amount of people in cars and get more people using buses. Yeah, I had to use the bus um, for the last week. And I reminded myself, I work from home, so I reminded myself how problematic Ireland's public transportation is. I totally agree with that, and I totally agree with the fact that something needs to be done to improve that. But let's be realistic here. I don't see a lot of people being able to either afford or rely on Irish public transportation. There are The buses are always late. They're not as affordable as in other European countries. They are... Um, simply an unreliable transportation. But market. hold on, that's what that's, that's what Bus Connect is about, though. Far be it for me to defending all the, to defend all their their um, their proposals. Yeah. But if they have wider roads and more bus connects, the bus mm-hmm. the bus times will dramatically improve. Again, I'll believe it when I see it. But I will return to my earliest point: at what cost? All the wildlife, all the greenery. Um, the the best part of this area, this beloved area that has uh, that generations have enjoyed and generations should enjoy and should be protected. It ought to be protected. Okay. okay. Why should this be eradicated? Um, I mean, by, by by the National Transport Authority, which is headed by the Minister of the Environment. How is this a more sustainable and livable city? Let me I, get some, I don't get. Let me let me get some more calls on the air. Thank you, Ioli. Appreciate you taking the call. Ash, good morning. Did you wanna? Good did morning, did you wanna pick up on punctuality? Was it punctuality? Yeah, mainly. Yeah. Because instead of focusing on getting places on time and actually focusing on punctuality, they're trying to expand the services. You know. You see, the problem with punctuality is that the buses are getting caught up in all of the other traffic. The idea is to give them a more more freedom to move about or to drive about or to, to you know, the cover to cover the routes faster, more efficiently and get people from A to B quicker, you know? They give examples actually when they break it down right across the city and suburbs as to the amount of time that will be saved. Uh, like, for instance, Dunkettle to the city, 29 minutes. Uh, after this plan, Dunkettle to the city would be a 13-minute bus trip. You know what I'm saying? Like Mayfield to yeah. the city um, at the moment could take 32 minutes. The new plan, that bus journey would take 15 minutes. You get what I'm saying? I get you, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, but, but at what cost, you see? Exactly, yeah. But even then, even in like the later on in the day or in the afternoons when there's not as much traffic, how are they still late? Sometimes buses aren't even showing up. I know the Balling College one's guilty of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, where do you but, live? I live in Upper Glenmire. We've been petitioning for a bus 
since I moved here when I was five, about 15 years ago. Oh, you don't even have a bus? We don't even have a bus. We've been asking for one since. It's about almost eight kilometres from here to the city. And if you don't drive, you'd have to walk it with no path. Okay. Um, you're not going to be affected by losing any of your front garden, though, are you? Um, that's one of the things that people need to be very alarmed. And also, in the Ballancolic area, the potential acquisition of buildings. I don't even know what that means, the acquisition of buildings. Is that like taking someone's house? I mean, that's insane. Yeah, how, could, yeah, how could they actually like take someone's property? It's called a compulsory like, purchase you order. You don't have actually any say on it. They just make you an well, offer. You take, the, you take the money, uh, you know. That's the end of it. But that's someone's home. That's where people, you know, as people are saying, kids are playing. You know, families are walking around. But with that's why I wanted. To, that's why I wanted to talk about this. It's people's front gardens. Okay, let's park the acquisition of buildings. But it's portions of your front garden. How much of it they will decide? Because they want to widen the road, and therefore you have to do something with the footpath. So the only way they can go is left and right of the road and footpath, and that's your garden. So you're having to look at and hear buses twenty four seven right in front of your house, closer to your house. That's incredibly unnerving. Yeah. I suppose oh. I'm lucky in the sense that I don't have to deal you, with you that. You are lucky in that regard, but I hope the penny is dropping for people. Uh, thanks, Ash. Appreciate you taking the call. Uh, Councillor Colm Kelleher, uh, former Lord Mayor of Cork, joins me by phone. Colm, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you keeping? You call it a shambles. A shambles? Yeah, a 100% shambles. What's been, uh, you know, proposed by the NTA across the, the city as a whole obviously is coming from the right place but I spoke with uh, members of the public and other elected representatives out in the Oriel House in Ballancolic yesterday where they had the first of these public consultation meetings um, and you know <laughs> we said amongst ourselves that they probably drew lines off Google Maps because you know you mentioned it yourself they're going through buildings in Ballancolic they're acquisition, there's proposed acquisitions of people's front gardens they're going to make Ballancolic Main Street one way. Um, like, I'm a business owner, Neil, as you know. I have a, a garage in this old square in Ballancolic. Correct. another one of Victoria Cross in the city. And if I was to come from my depot in Victoria Cross to my depot in Ballancolic, when I get to Subway in Ballancolic, I'd have to turn left down by the Credit Union, go through... Uh, Super Values Car Park up Baker's Road out onto Station Road which is right next to a school which has a lollipop uh, person on it during school terms and is hectic as is I'd have to turn right down onto Station Road turn right onto Main Street and turn right into the square Was, was that normally just a straight line journey? normally a straight line okay. and, then when I, and then when I'm coming out of it I can't turn left I'd have to turn right back up Main Street when I get as far as um, Boyle Sports or Bank of Ireland or Artie's Bar I can't go straight on I have to turn left go around the back of McDonald's and come out East Gate by um, Healy's Pub oh for God's well, sake to get from Ballancolic to Victoria Cross to get from Ballancolic to Victoria Cross okay so yeah. Douglas is the same the front Douglas Road will be one way I don't know whether it'll be one way going out or one way coming in but it'll be one way so you imagine the grief that's going to be for many many people but there's 31 of you uh, in council and you met the NTA didn't you? We did and in fairness um, all elected uh, 31 members of Cork City Council all had issues with it and um, like members of the Green Party, members of Fianna Fáil, members of Fianna Gael, members of Sinn Féin, members of Labour, members of all the other political groupings. Um, we've all aired our concerns for our own 
you know, uh, areas, like, you know, the former Lord Mayor Terry Shannon, you had him on the air the other day, he was calling them bam pots. I, I'd agree 100% with Terry's uh, interpretation of it, what they're proposing. Can you stop is, them? Look, it, the public consultation period is happening at the moment, and there's meetings again in Balancholic today, they're moving on to Douglas next week. Um, this whole process, I would think, um, they're aiming to have, you know, the acquisitions done by 25, implementing infrastructure between 26 and 27. Right. Um, and we stop them, yes, Busconnex was changed above in Dublin. Um, you know, it, it's all about people power. I spoke to the chair of the business association in Ballincolleg yesterday, and they're horrified. Um, how can you stop? Well. How can you stop them? Can has city council got the final say on this, or is so it a national, is a national government? This is a national uh, uh, an NTA uh, project, which is done from government funding of six hundred million, and it's a very welcome investment in Cork. Six hundred million. We do. Need I got to tell you, alone. Colin, a it, lot of people listening to this program would much prefer things to be left alone and six hundred well, million to be spent on building houses and homes for people. I agree with you. I agree with you one hundred percent. Here like we I'm go again. The, I, I was look. I was looking at the, the the booklet they gave us yesterday, Neil, and to increase uh, transport time from Ballincollig into the city by eleven minutes. Um, we now have no car uh, parking spaces anywhere in the village. We'll have cycle lanes either side of the road. The roundabout will be gone at the up by Bridgewater. Um, and we won't be able to drive a car down Main Street. Now, and I know you're talking about your own parish, and rightly so, but a lot yeah. of what you're saying is not specific to just your area because this loss no. of on street parking uh, to allow buses to move more freely will be all over the city and suburbs. Uh, low, and, and lots of trees will be taken out as well. One hundred percent, and you know, um, like they're they're obviously, you know, the the main modus operandi of the NTA is to have a modal shift to get us out of cars and get us on bikes and get us on public transport. But Neil, you know as well as I do, if you're working below Neil Lily and you're living in Ballincolleg or Bishopstown, that you know, and you're, you have a mortgage to pay, and it's minus four in the middle in the middle of the winter. I know you can't rely on a bus. I know you yeah. And can I ask you about people's you know? front gardens? This, I'm not trying to scare or frighten people. This is a reality, and we will experience yeah. it in Douglas, incidentally, as well. They literally will say, we're taking a portion of your front garden. We're going to offer you a certain amount of money, uh, and you have no say in the matter. This is a compulsory purchase order, right? Correct. Yeah, and I don't know if you remember, but do you remember the Wilton Road corridor there about two years ago? Yeah. Um, the council had proposed to widen the Wilton Corridor in preparation for CMATS, which is the light rail system that will be coming down the tracks, which is separate to Bus Connects. But they kind of go hand in hand. That was done under a part eight. Uh, I voted against it, along with my, uh, a number of colleagues in council, and that didn't happen. But that was the same um, premise. It was a compulsory purchase orders of people's gardens. But in fairness to Cork City Council, at least they'll say this, when they proposed that, they were able to tell those individuals how much of a garden they were losing. The NTA had thrown letters in people's doors and say we might take a part of your garden or we may not take a part of your garden and if we do we don't know how much we're going to take it, it's, it's, it's pure boogeyman stuff you know um, and has like, a person um, who owns their own home and front garden any legal right in that regard well a compulsory purchase order is the proof is in the name it's compulsory it's it, it's illegally binding. You know, the, the, the state will compel you to purchase. Well, he, I, all I can tell you is I can refer to the issue back when Wilton residents kicked up a storm, and that's why there was a headline in the Echo at the time saying "Grannies are willing to change themselves, chain themselves to diggers." And John Bowman was front and centre, a spokesman for many of the Wilton yep. residents. But I'm quoting from an article back then when they wanted to put six lanes on the Wilton Road. Some residents are set to lose several meters of their front gardens to facilitate the extra 
actual road space. So in the case now of Bus Connect, it could be several metres. Could be three feet. It could be several metres. The NTA can't tell us. And that's not good enough, in my opinion. And I've spoken with my colleagues in council and they're of the same opinion as well. What the NTA, and Terry said it, in fairness, Councillor Terry Shannon, he said it on the council uh, floor the other night. It's like they want this plan to fail and for us to come up with... uh, a better plan for them. Now, I'm not knocking anyone above in the NTA. I know uh, a lot of people working above there and they're doing their level best. But what's being proposed, like in one section of Ballincollig alone, Neil, I know I'll come back to Ballincollig again, um, there's planning granted for new social apartments opposite Iceland um, and the proposed acquisition of land cuts through uh, a building that isn't on Google Maps yet. Worrying times, worrying times. Let me get some more calls, texts and comments on this. What I would say is that, look, these public consultation um, forums are open. There will be public forums for the likes of community groups, business association groups, where the NTA will be asking that the individual groups would nominate two people to come to a public forum meeting and have discussions. These are initial proposals. Um, they're not final. It's, it's not a fate to complete by any stretch of the imagination. The public consultation has been extended out until October, and it's fair, fair dues to Councillor Mary Rose Desmond. She flagged that in the council floor, and the NTA listened to her, her request, and they have pushed it back. But public consultation is everyone needs to get their submissions in. I'll be doing one as a local councillor. I'll also be doing one as a business owner. Um, but what's being proposed at the moment, it just can't go ahead. Okay. It killed Alan Colleague did kill Douglas. It's bananas. Okay, thanks so much for that. Much obliged, Councillor Colum Keller. Who we got texts and comments after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Gotta wonder as well, more and more people working from home and working remotely. Is even the timing of this important? I'm a resident on the Cargline Road. I've been walking through the Mangalan since I was a child, way back when it was a bit wilder. It's been transformed into a beautiful walkway with massive increase in users, walkers, skaters, cyclists, kids paddling in the river, people having picnics only for seeing the plans on Facebook. I wouldn't have any knowledge of the plans proposed and to say it would be a massive loss is an understatement. Road surveys were being carried out last night on the Carrigaline Road and I'm only guessing it's related to all of this. Another point that is if the planning comes through for the Educate Together School, the entrance will be via the Carrigaline Road. So even more destruction for this road, which is already very busy. Just want to show my support on the topic that's been aired this morning. Can't come on air, I'm at work. And there are others like that. Um, I grew up in Douglas I remember Douglas in the 70s, 80s and 90s and I have to say they have wrecked it starting with Dunn Stores being built on a bird sanctuary the highway cutting out the heart of the village and the multi-storey car park is a pure eyesore I can't go on air but I'm one of the people that this proposed bus connect route would directly affect we will lose some of our front garden and apparently we don't have a say it's completely unacceptable Uh, one or two more texts they should focus on punctuality and affordable transport before they destroy people's homes and the homes of local wildlife uh, Eamon Ryan again I'm so sick of that loony in fact somebody else picks up on the tree huggers will have us back in the stone age if that gowl Ryan has his way I'm all for saving green spaces but if we want to get cars off the road then we need a transportation system um, uh, and it requires a bridge tunnel or overpass so be it remember these people are the ones who wanted a greenway from Middleton to Yall forcing hundreds of cars off the road to get to Yall they missed a trick there removing the train line didn't they you just couldn't make this stuff up. Uh, and one or two more. Another bad idea from that loony destroying wildlife. Uh, all he cares about is himself and his big fat wages. It's a disgrace. People elected him to make things better for people. He needs to go 
and people should never ever vote for him again. All he did is tax, tax, tax. Why are people so asleep? Text 0868104106. There's la- that and lots more besides after 10. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from 4 for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from 4. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086 8104 Red FM. Just on a lighthearted note, there was a text came in from a text who said you read out a text for a guy called uh, Eamon Ryan a gaul. You should call, you should give that uh, texter a prize just for the use of the word gaul, you know, gaul. I was talking about Spondulux earlier on. It was in a the Go Compare ad, and I always thought that Spondulux was a cork word. Fair play to uh, uh, the lads here. They're saying the Spondulux according to Kevin, is a 19th century slang for money or cash. Uh, It's not necessarily a cork word, though. Uh, There are different derivatives of the word or different spellings like spondulux, spondulix, spondulax, um, and spondulix. Um, And and spondulis is another one, apparently. It can be traced back to the Greeks um, and even before the Greeks, and it was a word for jewellery and a form of early currency. There was, I always thinking that it was a Leaside term, but apparently it's Greek. Spondulux. But a great word nonetheless. We need to keep these ones alive. Text 0868104106 on that and lots more business. Now, uh, I just want to come back to the proposed Bus Connect plan. I know it's a few years down the road um, and we've covered areas already like the Ballancolic area. A lot of callers and texters from the Douglas area uh, mentioned Glanmire and issues like that. They're coming for your gardens, though, and I don't mean to be overly alarming, and I'm wondering whether or not you have any say in the matter. So there'll be lots and lots of on-street parking will be taken out, right? There'll be all sorts of new bridges where where they need to get uh, buses moving more freely. The whole idea is to reduce journey times right across the board, according to the NTA. So we're looking at um, 54 kilometres of new cycling and walking infrastructure, uh, 75 kilometres of new bus lanes across what they call sustainable transport corridors across the city and the county. And I've mentioned, in no particular order, uh, Dunkettle to the city. Uh, I've mentioned Mayfield to Cork City. Just stopping on that one for a second. That will take out lots of on-street parking spaces to allow the buses to move. Trees will also be cut down. They say that they will have a comprehensive tree planning program after they cut down the trees. Uh, Then if you look at Blackpool to the city, that will involve taking out quite an amount of on-street parking spots as well. Now, a lot of people out in the Blackpool area don't have gardens, of course, but there'll be issues with regards to a traffic system changing one way, you know, particularly... When I say don't have gardens, but in Blackpool Village itself, Holly Hill to the city, massive changes in that regard. And then when you move to Ballancolic to Cork City, that's where you're starting to see uh, lots of what they call landscaping. The landscaping is code for taking your garden space, compulsorily purchasing your front garden. Or maybe in some cases it could be parts of your back garden. And also the acquisition of buildings. Not quite sure what that means. Bishopstown to Cork City is another one. I mean, like, you you're, you're seriously want to know uh, your, your suburbs and city if you want to get from Bishopstown to the city with the way they're going to change the, the road structures out there. Toker to the city. Uh, again, uh, this will have huge implications um, to on-street parking, and trees being cut down as well. And also issues involving people's gardens. Um, and then you move on from areas like the airport to the city. Uh, and then um, 
Maryborough Hill to, to the city. We heard about the Mangala already. From Mahan into the city. Okay, on-street parking removed. Trees cut down. And again, we could also be looking there at people's uh, front gardens and what have you. Uh, certainly, Kinsale Road to Douglas, to the Well Road. Big new cycle lanes going in there, as well as a brand new bus corridor. And the most definite reduction of garden space, because there'll be a lot of road widening required for those. Holly Hill to Sunday as well is another one. So the list goes on and on. I just want you to be aware of this because uh, you don't want to kind of this to slip slip through under the radar and people wondering in a couple of years' time, What's going on? Uh, I got a letter saying they're taking my garden. Uh, Councillor Kieran McCarthy's been across this for quite some time in Cork City Council. Kieran, good morning. I know you're out. Yeah, I'm on. I know you're I'm out. out on the boat. You, are you, you're, you're out and about visiting homes this morning, are you? Uh, flyering and randomly knocking just to see people actually get, get information. So okay, okay. No, I, I've, spent, I've spent the last week and a half on Douglas Road and then another another two or three days on Boring Manor Road. And, and, I, and I appreciate, just like Colm Kelleher, you're talking about your own particular patch, but this affects everybody, doesn't it? Oh yeah, hugely. Um, but I mean, I I mean, of the twelve bus corridors proposed, Neil. I mean, I've two and a quarter in my in the southeast area, uh, and one of those like is Douglas Road, which is proposed like the the older part of Douglas Road, the western section towards Tesco Express and Finbar's Hospital, all the way out to Douglas Swimming Pool. And the proposal there is to widen the road by half again. So the proposals are not just like. Uh, taking a metre squared of someone's garden. I think one of the gardens is actually 20 metres squared. What? Um, and they're, they're, all, they're taking how much, yeah, yeah. Of a, how much of a 20 metre? 20 metres squared. I can show, I, I can, I can show you. Um, we, I mean, they got out the measuring tape, they measured it. Uh, also, they're using old maps from seven or eight years ago. Someone actually, someone built a house in the last two years. And now because they're using old maps, like there's a compulsory purchase order taking his house. Like, so there's... Some, somebody's all, house on the Douglas Road is going to be compulsorily purchased and they'll have no say in the matter where they live. No, they, they released these old maps. They're calling for public consultation. But they're using old maps from the last seven or eight... And there's a house on it since ago. then, right? There's a house on it since. So, and the maps don't take that into account. So what will um, happen now? Because the map's seven years old and somebody built a house there. I don't know. We, we, we've raised that. and we've, like, What we're trying to say to people, all of us as councillors, is put in the submission. And like the devil is in the detail. Like You, you said it yourself. Like the, the suburbs are so dense. Uh, and there are 12 bus corridors. Um, and for me, they're basically kind of trying to create a super highway across Douglas Road and then I've got Boring Manor Road where the proposal is to demolish the whole tree corridor and actually take the on-street car parking and then there's a proposal then to build a bridge through a uh, woodland in the Mangalan ba- Ballybrack Woods where the proposal is to take 50% of the woodland uh, that, that these are the proposals that are in front of us like they're, they're really really stark and the base that they're starting from it, it's terrible like the communication has been shocking to people like I mean I'm, the reason I'm out and about is that people are unaware of, of these details because people didn't get the information through their doors and so now it's so this, this have they claimed that they have sent information? Uh, they're only trying to do it in the last one or two days. So basically, they said they, there was that fantastic law. Well, well, there was a launch. We say two and a half, uh, two and a half weeks ago, uh, and then they began to send random kind of black and white photocopies through people's doors, especially on Douglas Road. And then I began to get phone calls from people going that, oh, I got these. What's this about? And then I got phone calls from other people going, well, my neighbour got these, and I didn't get. These no, I live, I live in the Douglas area. I got absolutely nothing. Nothing. Yeah, well, I know. I mean, like technically, I, I, I know, I know where you you live, Neil, and they're they're proposing to take probably six meters from your <laughs> the, the, the wall that fronts the road. Um, and I mean, and I, I mean, I've tried to get as much <laughs> to the doors and trying to fire people who would say my own ward as much as possible. Um, 
but no, I mean, I, can I we just can, but can we? I know, but can we scale it up? I know you are again talking about one particular area, but I've got people listening all over the city and the suburbs right now. It affects all of them, doesn't it? There are twelve different corridors. Ultimately, reducing the amount of time it takes a bus to get from A to B—that's it, isn't it? Yeah, and that's fair enough. I mean, I, I've actually nothing against the improval, the, the uh, trying to improve public transport, but that's just one element of climate action, if I can say that. That's one paradigm of one narrative. And so the proposal is like, yeah, we'll improve that, and, then we, and on the other side, we'll take away these ten or eleven other things, whether that's like health and well-being or, or your public park, or we're going to take away some of your front garden. Um, like the balance is just complete. It's completely imbalanced what they're actually proposing at this moment in time. And for me, I mean, it also moves like, traffic closer to people's front door, doesn't it? Ultimately, if you take away their garden. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, base, I mean, I just said, look, someone's front garden in Douglas Road, twenty meters squared. They're basically bringing the traffic to their front door. Like um, they'll step out of their front door. They might have two meters, and then that's it. The road is right next to them, and. Uh, yeah, uh, and also like things on. I know you, you've asked me not to talk about my own area, but like I've. I've no, I'm not saying that. I just want to step. scale it up to say that what you're referencing is also applicable to other suburbs. That's all I'm saying. Um, yeah, but I have to say, from my just from looking at other suburbs uh, in the last few days when I've had a chance. Like my suburb seems to be the the, the worst affected. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I I had planned to go to Ballincollig yesterday, but I didn't, I didn't get a chance. I just got waylaid with other stuff, like in Mary and flyering and kind of trying to assemble a team for this morning, trying to flyer Donnybrook. That's where I'm at at the moment. Um, so what? no, this is very serious, and like people need to get onto the website Bus Connects Cork. But just Google Bus Connects Cork, go into the various corridors, see the level of detail. And if people don't make submissions, what will happen is that the National Transport Authority will assume that their proposal is ju- is is okay. Um, so it is really, really important for people to make a submission. It's really, really important for people to attend the info days, especially if you are one of the people that there's going to be a, a, a potential compulsory purchase order on your property. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, the, and the other thing about this is that like, it's, on, it's the National Transport Authority and on board Planola that actually have teamed up. So once this goes legal, it's actually very, very difficult for people on the ground to challenge on board Planola. Um, so this isn't like Cork City Council um, planning. I mean, even for, I mean, I'm, I'm disgusted, like as a councillor representing people, uh, like 40,000 people in my in the southeast, like I have no voice in, in this. Like we did meet the NTA engineers online yesterday and all 31 of us put forward our concerns. And I, I found it, I just found a blasé um, response. Like, we're, like the sense of, oh, we're now in the process. Like when I hear this word, we're in a process. We're in the process of public consultation. And that's fair enough. And we'll have to see what's come out in the wash. But in the but, meantime, like people are, people are fearful. I mean, I've had people like ringing me on the phone going, I just bought my house and they're planning to take two meters squared or three meters squared off my house. And I bought the house because I had a front garden for my kids. And what am I supposed to do now? Um, now, I know to some people that's, that could be a first world problem. But for people like who, we say an older person who's lived in an area for 40, 50 I'm years. I'm not so sure that a first world problem is somebody coming along and taking your garden I mean that you know that's that's a that's a family issue that's a, a lifestyle issue that's important yeah it's just it's 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 significant um, and I mean and sometimes I mean I, I've got really worked up about this like because it's because the communication has been shocking from the very outset like the information has been spreading across back garden walls across washing lines um, and, and there's this, this massive void of information and people are freaking out people are going well how do I who do I meet who do I chat to and I suppose my 
what, I'm, what I've been trying to do for the last two weeks is trying to get information to people as much as possible uh, in the midst of this kind of void and miscommunication that's yeah. kind yeah. of all around the place as It'll well. It'll be much more difficult to people fight back this, fight this back because, you know, the issue with Wilton was that it was one particular area where they really came out and said absolutely no. How can a whole city come together and all of the different suburbs come together en masse? Submissions, submissions, submissions are really important. I kind of got that sense from the meeting yesterday online with the with the NTA engineers. Um, like we're, we're, they've sent it out for public consultation, so we have to go through the consultation. Um, the city council members will do our best to try to take the wheels off of this. Um, the other thing that the engine, the NTA engineer sent to us said to us yesterday that if we came up with alternatives. That, um, that, that there'd be other ways of improving the public transport um, but I think it was a column or someone else that was on to before the news kind of said well that's not our job we say not, I'm not an engineer like well, I'm, a, I'm a local historian yeah, but, but, like, but maybe maybe buses aren't the way forward maybe what we need are trams yeah I agree with that I agree with that but, so I mean look it's very, that very wouldn't, that wouldn't have, I mean they are proposing somewhere down the track that we have some kind of a light rail through the city and suburbs aren't they uh, the light rail would be from Ballincollig uh, through the city centre to, to Mahan. That's the proposal. That's oh, why are, why aren't they planning to use the structure that we have at the moment and not be peeing people off and just get on with light rail? Uh, that would take a lot less space. It probably wouldn't need to be yeah. extending roads or doing any of the kind of stuff they're proposing. I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. And what you should do is put in a submission on that as well. And I agree okay. with you. Okay, let and me that, get. To, do, will you do, do stay in touch though? Will you? Yeah, yeah, there's no problem at all. There's no problem at all. Thank, thanks for having okay. us councillors on. Anyway. I'll let you get back to your flyering. He's flyering the houses in Donnybrook as we speak. Councillor Kieran McCarthy. A uh, lot of texts and calls on this. Uh, Bus Connect Cork, there are public information events which the NTA will attend. Uh, here's a good example of one that's happening tonight, for instance. Or, in fact, it's... Uh, um, the uh, Balancholic to the city and the Bishoptown to the city and they're meeting at Oriel House Hotel in Balancholic and that's today um, it says it's from 9 this morning until 2 this afternoon so that's ongoing I wonder how many people know about that right now that there is a public information event going on in Oriel House Hotel in Balancholic another one then say another example would be another one that's happening today is uh, the Maryborough Hill to the city uh, airport Road to the city, Toke to the city, Mahan to the city, Kinsale Road to Douglas, and that's happening at Nemo Rangers GA Club um, now, today I should say, uh, from 2 o'clock until 7 this afternoon. Uh, and another one then apparently, um, actually next week. So they're they're going on at the moment. One of them today, as I say, uh, right now out in Oriel House Hotel. And right in connection to this proposed bus connect plan for the Douglas area, which, uh, where, where is the plan to build a monstrous bridge by destroying a jewel, as in the Mangala Valley? Um, one more here. If this is the Minister of the Environment's idea of creating a more sustainable and living livable city, I fear for the future of Irish cities. The last thing that this or any country needs right now is the destruction of green areas with climate change, mental health, physical health. Uh, pick your reasons. There are many. Calls on the way after the break. 
Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. All right, we're talking an awful lot about the beaches and the state of our beaches. Uh, Jennifer says, I'm not talking enough about broken glass. The danger of broken glass on beaches should really be highlighted more. It's so dangerous for all ages, but children especially. If the glass got into the water, who'd see that? Alcohol should be banned on beaches with fines in place for those who are drinking. And it isn't just as you're suggesting young people are teenagers, it's adults too. If there are no guardie to monitor this, maybe the army should be brought in. The same goes for trouble in town. One nice thing I did see over the weekend, though, was down in Garrettstown Beach. A coach load of Ukrainian families came down from Mill Street to go to the beach for the day. And before they left, they picked up every single piece of rubbish on the beach. It wasn't just their own bits either. It was all the other litter left by all the other beach goers. Then they brought all the plastic bags full of rubbish back to Mill Street with them on the coach. Even the children were helping. It was great to see. Well, what do you know? Ukrainian refugees putting the rest of us to shame. Picking up all of our rubbish for us, huh? Doesn't that say it all? Text 0868 Back to the phone lines we go. John, good morning. Morning, Neil. All right. Um, this, uh, this is kind of alarming, actually, and people need to know more about it. That's why I was chatting about it, this uh, bus connect corridor. What do you make of it all? Well, so communism is coming to town. In what way? Well, you get people who uh, you don't know, that you don't wish to know, and they can write you and tell you they're taking their pro- your property, and they'll actually tell you how much it's worth. So th- this is what's going on in Ukraine at the moment with a land grab with Putin. It, well, taking pump for people's front gardens is a land grab. It is, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. To have, to, have a, to, to enter into a contract, both parties have to agree. The people don't agree to this. Not in a compulsory purchase order. You, you've seen that in the past CPOs. Oh, yes. It happened with Greenways, yes. where farmers were being bullied into giving up land yes, for but, a price. Yeah, but I, I, I was involved one time with a CPO where there was a very wealthy man where the uh, Cork County Council tried to take a, a piece of his uh, roadway. But the man had so much money, he said, well, I'll take you on in court. So they went across the road and they took us from the farmer. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Money so, talks. Like, uh, no, no. This has, to be, this has to be challenged. You you just can't bulldoze your way into people's, in, not into their homes or into their girls, into their lives. You, you understand the reasoning behind this, don't you? To get people out of cars more, to get more people cycling, to get more people walking <laughs> and to get buses moving more efficiently. Yeah, but they're also coming uh, another way at the moment as well because they're trying to play the farmers off against the people with two cows. So that if the farmers don't comply to what they want, they're going to tell the people with two cows where a, where a family needs to bring children to school or handicap children to, uh, to their facility. Well, the front page of one of the papers yesterday said that they're coming after your second car as well. How? how yeah. I have no idea. I don't know how that would work. Well, it's just quite simple. It's not going to work because it's about time that the people uh, started uh, growing bars in this country and stand up to government overreach. So why in the last few days have we had stories like this? Yesterday they were saying that they're coming after your second car. Then we have this bus connect thing that's been rammed down people's throat. And also this morning they're saying that um, the Green Party want to call the national herd, which involves killing cows. Uh, where's, yeah, well, I think, where's all this I coming think they, I think they should start with the Green Party if there's going to be calling done. <laughs> I wouldn't wish anybody no, to have I, a shorter yeah, life. Yeah. Than, I know it's yeah, politically yeah, speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 look, you see, the problem is, you see, the Green Party are only doing what uh, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are letting them do because they need them in government. But as soon as the Greens are gone, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael will turn around and say, well, we didn't do it. It was the Greens that done it. 
And on top of all of that this week then we hear of the banks, AIB, who were bailed out by us now saying, sorry, don't come to us, go to the post office, nothing to see here, no ATM machines, no cash. Yeah, but we've seen since, uh, what you call it, 2007, 2000 in the years, uh, how, how effective the government is against the banks when the banks uh, wrote the script for the, for the bailouts. So don't, let's, not, let's not go down. Let's not what we, what did we give the what? banks again? Was it 70 billion? Uh, 64 or 66 billion. Wow, there's some repayment on that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we won't and see Michael, Michael, and, yeah, and Michael Nolan kicked half a down the road in so that we'd be paying the interest forever without ever touching the capital. Uh, you know, like, no, look, there is no government in this country. What we have is an overpaid committee that are no more than uh, EU messenger boys. I got a response from the uh, NTA this morning just now. It says, uh, we don't have anyone available this morning. As you know, this public consultation is only the initial round of public consultations and the project is in collaboration with Cork City Council. We've already agreed to extend the consultation until the 3rd of October. All of our information is available on busconnect.ie forward slash Cork. So, so if, the go- if, if the government so are going to tell you that it's the NTA's plan and, and this and that and all that and everything, so when the people go out in the street to, to block the works that will, they will try and do, are they going to call in the armed response unit like they did to us when we stopped the meters from reporting? Will, they, will, will people go out and protest, though, like have, the water? Well, it's like this. If you, if you don't, you get, you, you're going to get everything you deserve. Okay, okay. Um, very interesting, though, here from this, uh, this response from the NTA. It sounds to me as if they've actually thrown Cork City Council under a bus here. They're saying that the project is in collaboration with Cork City Council. But yet the members of Cork City Council, as in the members, elected members, don't want this. So it's not actually well, in collaboration with Cork. might be in collaboration with maybe the chief executive of Cork City Council, but not the councillors. Well, if the if the councillors in mass are not happy with this and don't agree with it, and the chief executive of the county council is saying different, I think it's time for the chief executive to say goodbye. Yeah, well, I have a call in to see if she's got a comment to make on this or where she sits with regards to the NTA's proposals for Bus Connect. So we'll see what happens well, well, there. Yeah. Well, she well she's already destroyed half the streets in Cork. Uh, in, in what way? Well, look, look at the street. Look at the state of McCartney Street. A truck can't pull in to do its business. They have to park up in this footpath that's now uh, four meters wide. Mm, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And come back to that issue. I know that the. Uh, I, I'm not so sure that it's great to have so much traffic inside in the city. You know, I, I, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I think, but, I think, yeah, I think but, the city yeah. shouldn't be allowed to live and breathe, and people should be able to walk around more. Yeah, you know. Uh, yes, that's just, I don't I, I'm not talking about taxis now or people doing deliveries. No, I don't. I, I don't have a problem with that. But people have to go about their business. How are workers supposed to go into the city and and, and like get, you get an emergency call out? And you, you, you're told you can't drive into the city because there's a curfew between three and six o'clock. That's right, yeah, I know that. Yeah. So that's, this, this is complete nonsense. Okay, trying to cover as much ground as I can. Thanks as always, John. Regarding the Mangla, I will chain myself to a fence before they tear it down. It's a disgrace and thousands of signatures have been collected already. I am absolutely raging. So that's people with, uh, with uh, you know, um, very much interested in love and fondness for the Mangla itself. James, good morning. Hi, Niall. Good morning. But it's a much bigger issue than just the Douglas or the Donnybrook area. Go ahead, James. Thanks. Uh, I'm just beginning. The more I listen to your shows in the morning, that the more it's becoming more likely that we're not a democracy anymore. We're becoming a, di- a dictatorship. 
Sorry about that. I, I don't. I don't mean to be the harbinger of doom and gloom all of the time. I just want people to be aware of no, change. No, no, no. I'm not saying it. Just reminds me when I hear some of the things that have come in in the last while, like turf, houses, cashless society, national herd, or one car, whichever you want. Yeah, yeah. Food waste, which is probably one of the biggest polluters in the world. No talk about it. Data protection forced on us. They've deemed so much information off us in the last while, and now it comes up like that they can pretty well do what they want. Well, that, what happened to democracy? Yeah, well, people need to stand up and say no. Well, they need to do what the Dutch farmers are doing. Which is what? <laughs> Have you not seen it? Thousands of them out on the streets with their tractors. That was months ago, though. No, that's currently in Holland. Oh, in Holland. I thought you were talking about In Holland. Yeah, okay. No, no, in Holland. That's what we need to do. The farmers were great ones to protest for a long time. They seem to have given up the ghost as well. Now, like, I mean, that poor man up there, he needs to be taken away before he does serious damage because he's really not in touch. He's going to do huge damage. Eamon Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they want people walking. They want people cycling. They want people taking public transport and getting out of cars. And they don't want people having two or three cars parked outside their door. They don't want people going on single, single person vehicle journeys anymore. Uh, it's bad. And I suppose when you look at the climate change, do you not think that they have some kind of an argument? Well, when was the, when was the last hottest day in Ireland? Before yeah, yeah, Monday. A hundred years ago. Yeah. Yeah, hundred and fifty. There were floods when I grew up. Yeah. Floods everywhere when I grew up. I mean they're not helping it. Like I mean he's he's torn our concrete in huge chunks of the country at the moment. That that affects society or, or, or the environment. Yeah. Footpaths that are as wide as roads. Yeah. Well a lot of a lot of the proposed changes to the suburbs will involve uh, the cutting down of trees, um, and in the case of Douglas, taking out half crazy. of a woodland. Absolutely yeah. crazy! Absolutely yeah. crazy! Look what's being burned in England, France, and Spain at the moment, without lunatics going in cutting down perfectly good trees. Okay, next. Oh, it's six eight one zero four. Would you want a car across your doorstep? Would you want trucks going by your doorstep? Well, if they take people's gardens or portion of them, it's moving traffic closer to your doorstep. So it's making the environment more unhealthy. Well, certainly, you know, the the privacy and the comfort of your own home is going to change anyway, that's for People sure. People need to stand up. All right, thanks for that, James. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. And we'll come back to that. Uh, lines are open. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. And you can text 0868-104-106. They're coming after your gardens, lads. Be aware of that. Uh, Willie, um, I'll come back to his text. It's kind of a funny one, I suppose. I see Prenderville's back on the air. We'll be listening to nothing else for the next year. Only Sinn Féin party political broadcasts bring back Mick Mulcahy. Well, fair enough. Can I just remind you of the things, though, that you can't do? And you can add to the list of things you can't do now with regards to you can't go to a bank for cash. You can't go to a bank because the ATM machine's been ripped out. If you're a business, you can't use the night safe or the drop or the safety deposit box. You can't put your cash in the wall anymore at the end of business. So you can't rent a house. You can't afford to buy a house. You can't get seen in the A&E. You can't get a hospital appointment. You're one of a million people who can't. Uh, it's almost impossible to get a passport. Uh, you know, you can't get a flight. You can't afford to book a hotel. You can't afford to rent a car. You can't get a family doctor to take on your, take you on your books. You can't get a family doctor to take your children on the books. You can't get a crash place for your child. 
You can't get a school place. You can't get a school bus place. You can't afford to put petrol or diesel in your car. You can't afford to pay your lighting and heating bills. You can't afford to do a full shop anymore. And here in Cork now, we have the NTA coming after your front garden. Not to mention the fact that the banks now are saying, sorry, nothing to see here. Go to the post office. So how does that affect, say, for instance, Cork people? Well, AIB from the 30th of September are saying they're no, no longer going to deal in cash or check services at the counter. They won't have any notes or coins or checks or foreign exchange or bank drafts. The drop drafts, they're taking out the, the drop safes. They're taking out the night safes. They're also ripping out the ATMs. And how does it affect us? Well, Bishopstown will be gone. Carrigaline, Glanmire, Kilmallock, Western Road. Uh, from October, then Castletown, Bear Cove, Dunmanway, and Turk can sail Mill Street, Mitchellstown, and y'all. They're saying go to the post office, a boon for post offices. Uh, but that's just here. I mean, this is happening nationally, uh, right across the country. And I see a Pierce Doherty has been talking about this overnight. And I think he also was making references to how far he would have to actually travel. He's the Sinn Fein spokesperson on finance. Joins me by phone. Pierce, good morning. Good morning, Tina. They, they, are, they are saying that more people are not using cash anymore now and they're using debit cards instead. Sure. Well, we all know that. I think people looking at their own, you know, what, what they were doing five years ago compared to now, well, more and more people are going online, more people are tapping. We understand that. But look, they, they've used also statistics during um, during COVID period where there was a pandemic where people were encouraged not to be going to your branches and, and so on and so forth. But that doesn't take away from the fact that they have a responsibility or indeed the central bank has recognised that cash is going to be an important part of our uh, society and that it's a part of social inclusion also. Uh, and the real question here is, why the hell is AIB doing this at this point in time? We have the biggest uh, upset in relation to banking in the history of the state where we have two of our main banks have withdrawn. Uh, customers, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of customers are trying to find new, new, new branches. Some of them have moved to branches that you've just mentioned and now they're told this yesterday morning that actually you're not going to be able to lodge a fiver in, in that branch anymore and forget about coming to, to take money out of the wall in the ATM because we're ripping that out of the wall It seems this, extraordinary it, isn't it like a, a, a bank without cash is like a pub with no beer isn't it? Yeah, you know, to, to a certain extent, but we all know where these banks want to go uh, if, if, if they can get away with it because you, you have to look at some of what's happening in the market. You have to look at your Revolut, you have to look at your Google and so, and so on and so forth who are providing kind of financial services without any facilities whatsoever. Um, and that's fine because that, that's, that's grand. They're picking off a certain part of the market. The conversation that's happening, we've been calling for this conversation for a while. It's a structured conversation now about the future of retail banking. It's been organised by the, the Department of Finance. AIB is part of it. Uh, they were at the first meetings of it. Uh, and that's about what banking is going to look like into the future. What but here's what it's going to look like. My son and daughter, and they're in their mid-twenties, they, they never go near a bank. They never, ever go near a bank. They have no reason to. They don't, they don't even use cash. They use a debit card or a Revolut card. So, the, yeah, I mean, and, and and as I said, many people do that, but also many people need to go near, near to go to a bank. Like, so I'll give you an example. We organise a community festival here, a music festival. I'm one of the directors of it. It's, uh, you know, you'll have thousands of people down at Big Axe here in, in West Donegal, and same happens in Cork all over the place. One of the things that we had, to, first of all, you have a lot of coinage, so you have to go to a bank to get the coins uh, lodged into your account, the notes, the cash, and all that from the sales. But also in terms of the ATMs, before this festival takes place, we contact the bank and say, make sure your ATMs are full, because there's people coming to our community. They're going to be going to the ATMs. They're going to be taking out cash. Yeah. And the festival that we ran... 
which was, a, as I said, a major mu- music festival. About half was in cash and half was online in terms of tap and pay. That's what happened 50, out there 50, in the, in, yeah. in, in the That's the real economy. world. So you, the, you also uh, have an issue with the ever-dwindling amount of face-to-face services that consumers can get these days too, don't you? Absolutely. And look, you know, AIB turned out and put out a a rosy press release saying this is an enhancement of their services, that you can now go to Unpass to get uh, cash and large cash and there's limits on what you can do there. But I would encourage people to actually open an Unpass account or a credit union account, right? But they're saying that this is an enhancement of the services. Well, that's deja vu to me because a couple of years ago, Bank of Ireland decided that they would go cashless in a large number of their branches. And what did they do last October? They closed all of those branches down. This is what is... In my view, this is what is planned. So this is not a private company. This is a company that is owned by the Irish people. The Minister for Finance holds the majority shareholding in that bank on behalf of the Irish people. This is a major change in terms of banking services and and communities. And the Minister for Finance needs to be heard now. He needs to be saying to them, pull back from this here. This can't go ahead. We're in the middle of a discussion in terms of the future of banking. uh, and, and, and And he should not sign off. On a, on a decision of this nature. Okay, or, or is it is it the role of the central bank to stop it? The central bank can't stop it because no. they, 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 from the central bank's point of view, uh, this is a company like anybody else's. It's providing services. If it wants to withdraw the services, if AIB in the morning turned around and says, we're finished, we're closing half our branches down, the, the, the central bank really doesn't have a role. So the shareholders have the role and the shareholder is the Irish people with That's- the 20 billion euro into this bank, no director. Was that the twenty billion in the bailout? Was it? Yes. Okay. And no director of that bank can be it can be reappointed unless the minister of finance gives his consent to reappoint them. So the minister of finance has huge powers in relation to this. Here, we wouldn't be arguing. And, and if I were Minister for Finance, I wouldn't be involved in the day-to-day operations of a bank. That absolutely would be inappropriate. But when you decide to go to, to, to take away basic banking service from a third of your of your branches, then that is a significant event that the Minister of Finance, actually under the agreement they have with AIB, should be consulted and, in my view, should should require approval from from them. And there's huge other issues. There's issues like my I got the email from AIB yesterday saying my closest a tenor to lodge into a branch it's a hundred and two kilometers round trip for businesses there's no, the night safe is gone when businesses come to locate in the community uh, then one of the things that they look at is, is their basic banking services so if you look in Cork now there's 13 branches that yeah, have uh, yeah. that will take cash yeah. 12 of them 50% of them nearly now that you have got cash taken out of okay. and, and so, so a business in Bishopstown now would have to go to Douglas um, a business in Carrigaline who wanted to lodge cash from a pub or a restaurant would have to go from Carrigaline to Douglas. A business, a pub, say, for instance, the Castle pub in Glenmire, would have to drive to Douglas. Uh, somebody who's got a business on the Western Road would have to go into 66 South Mall with their cash. It's bizarre. You, you mentioned there in that conversation with me that this is the start of them closing those branches, those 70 branches. Do you believe that, really? I, I believe if they follow the same trajectory as Bank of Ireland, then that's what Bank of Ireland did. They went cashless in a number of the branches, then they closed the 88 branches last year, last October. 
that's that's the trajectory. It, when they when when Bank of Ireland went cashless, they said it was an enhancement to the services. They said now you don't have to go to your branch; you can go to any one of the nine hundred post offices. Sure, it's a cut and paste job that AIB are saying. AIB are telling us that this is an increase in services for them. Uh, and when you, the reason they're doing this is because they want to remove staff from these branches. When you remove staff from the branches, when you remove cash from the branches, when you take the ATM, like that makes no sense whatsoever. Why would you take the ATM away from 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 the buildings? Then it is, in my view, and my fear is that they are readying up for a closure of of, of branch of the branch network uh, and a sale eventually. And that's that's a big 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 problem in terms of safety. There'll be people hoarding cash in their in their communities. It's about you mentioned about what businesses will have to do and that's a huge inconvenience for them and a huge cost for them. But worse than that, investment strategies of future business flows are impacted as a result of not having that type of access to coins. So if you if you if you're thinking of setting up a restaurant or a pub or investment in something and you're looking at this village and you're looking at that town, this town doesn't have basic banking services. That does, then therefore that's a part of your decision. So this is really, really negative um, in, in, in a number of fronts. Here's a, here's a text from y'all. There are no banks left in y'all now, only one credit union. How does a business get changed now or lodge money on a daily basis? We can't get staff, can't get changed. Businesses are in big trouble. TSB left in 2010, Bank of Ireland left in 2021, and now the AIB, uh, the government have to go, they say. Um, there is no gov- There is no doll sitting. Um, would this be on the agenda if the doll was sitting? Oh, absolutely. And I wrote today to the to Minister for Finance asking him to intervene in relation to this year. Like, I, this is a real slap in the face. Remember, AIB, AIB were levelled with the le- biggest ever fine in the history of the state because they basically stole people's money out right out of their account through the tracker mortgage scandal. And some of those families, they lost their family homes, their houses were repossessed. And that's why the central bank issued an 88 million euro fine to them. Not, it's not even four weeks ago since they did that. And AIB board of directors, instead of being humble, instead of actually acknowledging what they did to the Irish people, instead of acknowledging what that the Irish people uh, through that bailout has continued the existence of that very bank has decided uh, uh, you know within weeks to actually uh, withdraw basic services from a third of, of, of the state and I think that's just ridiculous yeah. and really the Minister for Finance needs to intervene he needs to say pull your horns in this can't go ahead let's have the conversation and there does need to be a conversation Neil in terms of how do we provide banking services and in changing environment into the future but let that take place let that be part of it the staff need to be part of it the unions need to be part of it the farmers the business they're all part of this conversation and then let's figure out how we go ahead in my view that's why you hold on to AIB. That's why you, the minister should not be selling any more shares. I believe that AIB should be a state bank and should provide a basic service. We can't force Revolut to do it, but we can in terms of AIB. There should be you're a basic also, you're, we're, all, we're also creating a scenario where elderly people and some people who just aren't into credit or debit cards or Revolut, they're, they're left with their hands hanging now, not knowing, oh my God, they could, be in, they could end up hoarding cash, as you say, and that in itself could be a worry then. Well, and and not only just old elderly people. The, the, one of the things I said when I was down at the Future of Banking Forum uh, organised by the Department of Finance, unless we're able to get a handle of the level of fraud that has taken place in banks, then people will lose confidence in the online. So lo- loads of people are doing online 
young people and all the rest. But the level of fraud that has taken place is massive. Uh, and it, it, it seems to be increasing and increasing and increasing. I've been, 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 been uh, subject to it myself, and, and thankfully we were able to get the money back. But, you know, and, and the first instance when, you're, when, you're, uh, when you're, you're a victim of this level of fraud is the first thing you want to hear. Think of the how does, the, how does the spokesperson of finance get caught in a fraud scam online? It's not known, actually, um, because it wasn't one of those kind of click on these links or whatever. Um, It was actually where somebody was able to ascertain the login uh, code uh, for the online banking. So it wasn't a click, you know, you know, when you put in your online banking code. uh, So somebody was able to do that, went into a bank account, set themselves up as a beneficiary. And then um, a number of uh, days later, uh, transferred money from the, my account into their account. Now, I noticed it straight away, um, and uh, it was reported to the bank. But the bank actually said to me, this is, there's not, that money's gone from the other account. It's gone. Like You've no, guarantee, you've no protection. You've no insurance in it. It's, it's not like purchasing something, like if you purchase a TV or something, then yeah. that's kind of protected. But in terms of somebody doing what they did to me, then there is no protection whatsoever. And therefore, um, therefore, it, we were just lucky that the money didn't move from the other account and we, we got it back. But as I said, the, the instinct that you have is... That's happening oh wholesale. Yeah, yeah wholesale. and my money isn't safe in the bank. And like, you know, people who've saved up savings and might be thinking about getting to college, if that happened to them, and they, you know, and they lost 5,000 or 10,000 euro, like that's a whole world being turned upside down. And, you know, your instinct is... It's safer under my mattress and now. It's not obviously, but like you know that, that that's and that's why we need to get a handle of fraud. So there are people out there, and I know many, many, many people who don't want online, who do not well, you know, young and old, and it's important not to stereotype because they're afraid of their personal details. They're afraid of you know hacking, fizzing scams, all of that kind of stuff, um, and 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 they're afraid of losing their their money. So okay. Um, okay. you know, so the idea that that everybody's been forced onto to to a cashless isn't going to work. People cash will be continue to be a part of our society, and as I said, there needs to be basic services there. We get some more calls, texts, and comments on this. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, as always, Pierce Doherty, Sinn Fein spokesperson on finance. Back after the break. My apologies to Michael O'Donovan. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818-104-106. Red FM. So Pierce Doherty believes that this is just a move by AIB to ultimately close those 70 branches. And uh, we've heard of banks being closed all over the place, cities, suburbs, and all over rural Ireland. What, how is it affecting, how will it affect businesses, say, for instance, here on Leaside, the fact that just with regards to AIB, 12 of the 26 branches will refocus, as they put it. Uh, they only want to do kind of investments and mortgages or financial planning. No more cash, no more ATMs. But some businesses, of course, deal in huge amounts of cash, particularly pubs. Michael O'Donovan is the chair of the Cork Vintners Association. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And my apologies for, for holding you so long. Um, and indeed, pubs are very much cash, aren't they? Yeah, look, as uh, your previous caller there, uh, Pierce Doherty said, we have seen a huge increase in, you know, debit, credit cards, I get that, I suppose, yeah. online transactions. But yes, look, I suppose at the moment we're running somewhere around 60% of our, um, our, I suppose, business would be done on card. 40% is still done on cash uh, across the country, you know, and this morning, from lunchtime yesterday, I've uh, been getting a huge amount of calls from members, uh, especially in rural Ireland, you know, here, West Cork. Uh, East Cork uh, up in arms about this because there's huge implications when AIB decide to do this and um, they're looking at it from I suppose their business viewpoint when we're 
uh, I suppose, standing in a publican's shoes. This has huge implications. Yeah, because, because the, the bank w- wants to change that 60-40. They want it to be 100% uh, tap, whether it's ATM, sorry, whether it's a debit card or a Revolut card. You're saying at the moment it's 60% debit card, 40% cash. But yeah. it, it, the, the figure in rural Ireland, would that be different? Because, you know, you, you talk about rural publicans, Castledon, Bear Cove, Dunmanway, Cantor, Kinsale, Mill Street, Mitchellstown and Yall. They're all going to change as well. Yeah, well, look, our, I suppose, figure is, is, is more a national figure that we have. So that would encompass, okay. yeah, uh, yeah. you know, the all, all pubs. So what are you going to do with your cash? But it's, it's, it's a huge implication, uh, Neil, because there's, you know, we have our insurance policy. You have a certain amount of cash in your premises. I was talking to a man this morning down in Castletown Bear. Um, he's going to have to drive to Bantry now. Yeah. That's like uh, 54, yeah. uh, or 50, he said an hour's drive away. Um, and he said, like, he'll have to go do that. Uh, he said he'll do it probably, you know, once a month kind of thing. So he's going to carry a, a large volume of cash in his business. So that's going to have a loading on his insurance premium. That, so that puts a target have, on his head, doesn't it? That's, yeah, that's going to be uh, an issue as well. So, like as he said, he has to look at his security arrangements. He has to do all this where previously he just walked three minutes, he said, from his door, lodges money every second night in the night safe in the bank, and he said every two or three days he'd get change in his local AIB in Castletown Bear. That's going to be gone from him now. And look, as you said... There, because the night I mean, safes are gone. It's something as simple as a night well. safe. Yeah, they're being withdrawn as well. So, look, it, it's it's really going to affect, you know, everybody. Like, uh, as you said, in Carrigaline, people will have to come to Douglas. Glenmire will have to come to Douglas. I use Douglas myself. And look, when I go into Douglas, I could be there for 40 minutes, some days, you know, maybe an hour. So add the extra volume onto that. You know, the queues in Douglas are going to be astronomical to go into those. There's only two tellers behind that counter in Douglas, um, a bank that I'm very familiar with. So the It's the same with all banks. They, d- they just don't don't have tellers really anymore it's just not and they don't want people in banks anymore but does that mean well, why would you think the public would just close their AIB account and go elsewhere it's difficult to do Neil because you know like if, if you're if you're in some towns there is nowhere else to go you know so like yeah uh, like if, if you're in the manway you're going to be driving to in, in Bandon, AIB is the is the is the bank in Bandon. Uh, if you're in domain where you have the option, maybe go to Clonakilty. But again, it's an AIB bank in in, uh, in Clonakilty. The Bank of Ireland, you know, have closed many of their branches around the country. So, you know, if we're caught between a rock and a hard place with this, and it's disappointing. So, uh, this morning we have written uh, on behalf of our members to uh, um, AIB, but also we'll be writing to the Minister for Finance today on this because it's just a huge hit for 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 our members on this. Ultimately, though, there will be a world where everybody will be uh, using debit cards and tap and go. And you probably, as publicans, prefer that, don't you? If you're to be absolutely honest. Uh, Look, there will be a cohort that will do that, but there will always be a cohort that will want to spend cash. And, you know, I suppose, look, what we know in our business, um, people come out, you know, when, when they have a certain amount of money in their wallet and they spend it, they know they've spent. The danger is when they have the, the card, you know, sometimes they're not sure how much they are spending. Yeah. So, look, I suppose there will always be a place in, in Ireland, I think, for the foreseeable future anyway, for cash. But I think this decision by AIB today is making that more difficult. 
appreciate you taking the call. Thanks for holding on as well. Michael O'Donovan, Chair of the Vintners on Lisa. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Frienderville Show And you have an opportunity to take yourself away on one of our tourist family passes that we've been giving away this week and indeed last week Remember, if you'd like to go exploring uh, across the beautiful county that we have then download the Explore Cork app They've got everything, over 850 places to see and do in Cork. So we've got more of those family passes to give away between now and midday today. Text 0868-104-106. With regards to hospitality from yesterday's programme and the lack of chefs and people wanting to work in hospitality, um, you know, one of the big elephants in the room here is pay. What people are paid in hospitality, the long hours, the hard work, and sometimes it's minimum wage or just above it. Uh, I've been in the bar trade for over 30 years, working mostly in Cork City and County. For years, I've heard the same old comments from the general public about people who work in the hospitality industry, uneducated, not able to do anything else, lazy. Along with the comments come the looks of disapproval when you meet someone and tell them you work in a bar. It feel like, feels like somehow you're beneath them in some way. I'm delighted uh, to work in this industry, bars and hospitality. And people need to recognise it for what it actually is, a trade. It's not all pints and having the crack. It's hard work, long hours, dealing with people who may be aggressive, handling money on the premises, along with the knowledge of first aid, including CPR, fire training, customer relations, marketing and managing people. It's not for everyone, but I love it. And to have it recognised for a trade can only be a good thing for our industry going forward. Now, he's asked me not to give out his details and I won't do, but I'm delighted you're so happy and so proud in what you do because it is a hard industry to be in. The hours are very long, very unsocial. And you know something? We need to change it so that people really do find it um, as an avenue for a career. But that'll only happen when the wages are damn good. And I think by and large, they're not really. Uh, All too often, I think you have pubs and restaurants who have staff that they know are just passing through and won't be around or may well be going to college or doing the job as a stopgap. And that really needs to change. Uh, text 0868-104-106 on that and lots more. Um, we had vis- Neil, we had visitors from overseas for the weekend. Went into the city. Uh, I was embarrassed with the level of begging. And those who were literally in our faces shaking cups for money or just clean out of their faces, looking drugged up, looking drugged out, and then many thrown on the streets and are sleeping under duvets and doorways. And this was with visitors who came with them from overseas. We witnessed men urinating in plain view by Duns on Patrick Street and more on Lower Oliver Plunkett Street. We saw a drug deal openly going on in Kerry's Lane. So obvious to our eyes. Despite the weather, uh, the streets are busy. Didn't see one guard patrolling the streets. Our beautiful city is becoming a not-so-nice place to visit. Conscious and combined efforts by the powers that be, the guards, city council, tourism and businesses. This needs to happen before our city's reputation becomes one of scum city and a no-go area for tourists and locals alike. That's kind of sad, isn't it? I wonder what the tourists thought of it. Nope. 
notwithstanding the fact that when you go overseas to other cities around the world, you do see quite an amount of begging. You do see quite an amount of uh, homelessness. I was in Toronto a few weeks back and was absolutely shocked at the amount of people who are on the streets. I don't, I mean, it's a long, long time since I was there last, but I never saw it years and years ago. But now... Um, really and truly shocking. So it's not anything that's exclusive to Ireland or indeed Cork, but that doesn't make it any nicer or any more pleasant for us or for those that are begging. Uh, back to the phone lines we go. Kieran, good morning. Thanks for holding. Good morning, Neil. How just, are you? Just on the banks. Like, the banks don't want people walking in through their doors. They just don't. They don't want people using cash. Um, and, and, and we're seeing that more and more. There's nothing we can do to change this, or is there? Well, I think there is. I think the big thing is, if, like, uh, you were talking about Cove earlier, right? I live in Cove. I've lived there for the last 40 years, you know. Okay. And, um, Let me just remind had- people of that. Let me just remind people of that text mm. that came in there from the Cove area this morning, and it was, no banks left in, in y'all. Mm. Uh, oh, it was, it was, yeah, it was y'all. No banks left in y'all, now only a credit union. Um, mm. Businesses are shagged. TSB is gone. Bank of Ireland is gone, and now the AIB. What, did you mention Cove, was it? Yes, I'm, I, live, I live in Cove. I mentioned Cove, beautiful town, great tourist town and everything else like that. And, you know, there's businesses down the town and everything else like that uh, that were using the banks. When I went in there originally 40 years ago, there was three banks in, in Cove. There was TSB, there was Bank of Ireland, there was AIB. Now there's no banks. None? Like, yeah, none. None? Well, there's one bank there at the moment, which is AIB, which will be gone in October, according to their announcement today, or over the last week. They'll be gone, so there'll be no bank. We'll have a post you, office. You can go in there if you want to um, apply for a mortgage. You can go in there if you want to yeah. invest money with them. You can go in mm. there if you want to get advice on a pension or some That kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, but that's only... that's only that's, that, 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 The Bank of Ireland done something the same. And as, as other people mentioned, uh, uh, the bank was closed sometime afterwards. It was closed. It's only... It, it, it's, it's, there's a process of closing down the banks. But the big thing, I think the thing, the thing is bigger. I think it's a thing about cash. They don't want anyone using cash. But cash is more like we we see cash and we see these business transactions as just what they are, business transaction people buying things. But I think it is a huge, a bigger effect in the sense is that this is a this is a personal uh, interaction. This is socialization. We've seen the effect that not having that had on people over uh, the coronavirus. Uh, yeah, like contact, that. human interaction, yeah, I know what you're the, saying. The humor yeah. in, in the, but now it, that has gone in and developed into shops. Some of the big shops at the moment have have areas that there's no personal contact in either your work because you wouldn't just zoom through swipe things on the machine that's all there and there's no interaction there is then that's going on to that go down to smaller shops if they can't get cash if they can't but dispose of cash at night time and everything else like this so I think this is a big threat to Irish society <sighs> as we know it other societies have changed though town and villages yeah, well, do, I know oh, well listen in a rural aspect of course you can multiply it because they'll have to travel huge mm. distances it's different mm. going say from Bishopstown to Douglas a big different from going going from one county town to another one. But Scandinavian countries are going fully cashless. A texter says to me, next year, Sweden will become a fully cashless country. So this is the way things are going, you know? Yeah, but this is the way things are going because it's been driven by the banks and things like that for the sake of profit and stuff like that. But is that what we want to be? What are we no, known No, I mean, as? I like a bit what of cash. I like a bit of cash world? in my pocket. Do you? I like Absolutely. having a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. 
But I also like the, the bit of tra- interaction with other people. You know what I mean? And interaction with other people is what has made the Irish, us Irish, what we are. You know, we're good for the give to the gab, or we have good for, you know, uh, they trade me the fortune or whatever. You know, we're good when people come here to say it's how great it is to go to the uh, pub or go to a cafe or restaurant at night time. Yeah, uh, well, earlier in the week I was chatting about the fact now that restaurants have already started serving you to your table with robots. So getting yes. used to seeing more of that. You know, yeah, and just, uh, yes, and I think that's the bigger. I think that's the bigger game that's going on here. Is and I think is us the people. I think an awful lot of the time we come back and we say about government and politicians, and we, we, an awful lot of the time we have a right. But sometimes we're just going to have to stand up and do something ourselves. It might seem very small at the beginning, but it can have an impact. And I was saying on the email that I put on when we were having a discussion on this in Cove, in Cove on Facebook last night, I said we should from Monday, Cove, everyone and as many people as possible that can in Cove should stop Sorry, so should only use cash to purchase anything or, uh, and start from there mm. and then try to encourage other towns and other villages around the country to do the same. So from same in a few weeks' time, nobody in Cove, as an example, would be able to get cash from an ATM? Well, see, yes, or oh, they will, in, in shops. Maybe. In shops, in shops yeah, that are but closer, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, okay. But I just see a thing with the AIB that I seen some weeks ago that I didn't say to you is a new machine went into one of the shops. They put a new uh, bank machine into uh, a shop in Super Value. The one that was there before, the old one, you had a limit. You could withdraw 300 euros, uh, a limit of 300 euros for every transaction. When the, the new one went in, uh, they put a limit on it for 100 euros. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I asked the manager of Supervalor at the time, what was the story? Why was this? Why was this? You know, what, what was this going on? And they said, oh, it was the banks. The bank put the limit on this. And I was kind of saying is this is the banks again con- controlling our money, what we do and how we withdraw our money and when we can withdraw our money. But what I'm saying is, is all of this is a big effect on us all in relation to our freedom to do what we wish to do with our money yeah. and how much we need to want to have carried on us. And basically, it's trying to stop us having any control at all over our money. Okay, thank you for that. Thanks, Kieran. Much obliged to you. Regards to everybody in Cove. Peter says, there is no way the government will ever intervene with bank closures because it plays into the government's hands, driving us closer to a cashless economy where the black economy will be totally eradicated. Many businesses wouldn't survive if they played 100% by the book with costs and taxes here. That's an interesting point with regards to a cashless society will really and truly take the black economy by the throat, won't it? Where nobody will be able to do work for cash anymore because there'll be no cash around. And when it's all on debit and credit cards and what have you, everything is traceable then because it ultimately has a footprint behind it, whereas cash wouldn't. So that's kind of interesting. Also, a cashless society will have a huge pact on tipping. Let's say if you're a person that tips and you're always very very worried. I'm always kind of worried if you're trying to put a tip on a credit card or a debit card. You're, you're always hearing the stories that it's not passed on to the staff. Whereas if it's cash, it's cash and they get it. Um, so what happens when there is no cash? 
how do you get around that then? Unless I think they've just passed a law in the UK now. I don't know where we're at with it, but I read in the weekend papers that in the UK it's law now, law, that a business in the UK must, by law, pass on a credit card tip. Cause on the way. Just one second. You take a break. Back after these. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Yes, indeed. Get in touch. Pick up the phone on 0818-104-106. That's what Councillor John Maher does, Labour Party Councillor. He describes our bank service as the level of service is rubbish and people deserve better because they paid uh, for better. I suppose that's a reference to uh, the bailout of our banks and this is how they repair John, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are things? Yeah, and, and it's, I'm good. And it's, it's kind of ironic that on the one hand, we've been chatting about Bus Connect this morning, trying to get people <laughs> to travel less and use less cars. And at the same time then, AIB, albeit almost closing branches, will make people drive further to use banks. I was given examples of how far people would have to travel, say, in rural Ireland this morning. What do you make of all of that? Yeah, Neil. Look again. It's just you know, it's just it's just appalling that they treat people like this. I mean, you know, we can we can go around the country, but I take it back to to my own area. You know, the to know. Okay. For, for well, let's look at Glanmire. Somebody in Glanmire yeah. now will have to go to Douglas. Uh, anybody in the north side, Neil, will have to go to Douglas. This is an issue going from oh. Glanmire right up to Hollyhill. Okay. I didn't you think know, that. because we've had in Mayfield, in Mayfield, we've lost our banks, we lost the IB, and we've lost the permanent TSB through the years. And um, you go up to the north side, we've lost, we've lost banks as well. And, and you know, now, the, I know those, I know those banks in Mayfield. What, what became of the properties then when the banks left? Do you know? Uh, one is a cafe uh, and a butcher's, um, and the other one is a funeral home. Okay. Okay. So they yeah. adapted so to like, new businesses, right? So as you said, we're we're, we're encouraging people to um, to reduce their carbon footprint. As a city councillor, um, and we just voted on the development plan from 2022 to 2028, um, and we're encouraging 15-minute cities and a livable city. Yet, where the bank, which is a vital part of any community, and banking services are now telling people, no, no, we don't want you. Go across the go across the river. Um, and that just to me is, is, is just not good public service, you know. And this idea that people are tapping, you know, I don't know, is that a fair analysis considering that the three years that we've had with COVID? Well, the, ban- you know, well, the publicans are telling me this morning it's 60-40 and this is on behalf of the Vintners in Cork City and County. 60% of yeah. people are tapping and 40% of people are that, carrying cash. That, that's still 40% of people, if, if we use that statistic. That's still 40% of people left behind. That's a lot of people. Um, in a community that expect the service, like and 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 more importantly, we've got three, we've got a Taoiseach uh, and and two senior ministers in Cork, and we have a majority shareholder in this bank. So, if you're one of the forty percent who still use cash, extraordinarily, here's what the AIB are saying to you: They're saying, go to the post office, and at the post office, you can withdraw cash from your AIB current account. You can't do it with us, but you can do it with the post office. And somebody else suggested this morning, no disrespect to post offices, but a lot of the time they're quite small and everybody's right up on top of you. There's not as much privacy in a post office. So you could have an elderly person withdrawing quantities of cash in open view. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, and I suppose, again, though, like, I mean, the question, and, and we put in uh, parliamentary questions to ask the minister, but what engagement has been done with UNPOST? Uh, what it seems now is that there is a facility on post, but have they the staff? To, as you just said, have they, they don't. They certainly, from any post office that I'm familiar with, the local post offices, with the exception of the GPO, local po- post offices tend to be small 
and some of them are in a shared space, whether it be with a shop or a pharmacy. And indeed, but in it, many of rural plus, like let me just mention the Castletown Bears, the Coves, Dunmanways, yeah. Contours, Kinsales, yeah. Ministry, Michigan. They don't have a post office, a lot of small towns and villages. This is it, because again, as a result of being closed down. So, so it's grand to say that the services are being transferred, but again, do you have the staff? Um, do you have the staff to manage the new, you know, what's, what's going to be a new expectation of Unpost? And more importantly, the banks are getting away with murder. We pay our bank charges, number one. We paid through the nose since the banking crisis. And the idea now that they're coming around to communities, and, and it's not just, you know, like if I use the Northside analogy, it's not just Glanmire. This is Glanmire, this is Mayfield, this is Blackpool, this is Gronabar, Holly Hill. That, like, that's the whole of the Northside. And they want us to go cashless. That's how many, how many banks are on there. the How many banks are on the north side? Oh, you're putting me on the spot. Ian. I mean, I, I'm going to say there's one in Glamour, there's one in Blackpool. Bump, bump, they're the IBs. And I'm stumped after that. There's probably a Bank of Ireland somewhere in the mix there. I'd imagine is there or. Yeah, no, no, the one in Glamour closed. Yeah, and there was never again. Yeah, that that. No, your your callers will correct me fast enough. But um, as I said, that's that's the one I know at Blackpool because I'm an AIB customer. Neil, I got an email yesterday uh, from AIB and telling me that my branch, which I, I live I live in Balavalan, my current branch was in the Western Road. No go figure. That's now gone. And that if I want to use cash, then I no need to go to South Mall. Or Douglas. Okay, that that's or, or, or that's grand for me. As somebody, you know, that maybe you might be can get around on my phone and all that, but it's just not good enough from a national institution that provides services that charges handsomely for us in everything we do and has massive and profits. That again, service. And yeah. yeah, has massive profits. And he, like again, just varying from it slightly is that we see it also with our credit unions. Um, you know, the service they're providing is is going backwards, in my opinion. My own credit union is there's no evening opening, there's no weekend opening. So now you're left with, and again, if we want to go on people that really have cash and they need to lodge it, you're now saying, when are they going to do it? You know, I know that I cannot get to my, my bank or my credit union because I am working. Mm. Um, so now our banks are taking away the public. Like, they need to, they need to remember what their job is. It's customer service. Yeah, and how, how, is, and the business, how is the business supposed to be able to get coin or cash to survive? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, and, this is, and all these businesses are key to communities to keep them going, whether it's the shop, the pub, the clothes shop, whatever it is. And the idea now, the banks are saying, oh, well, we get your money, but you come across the river for it. That's not good enough. Yeah, like, I know. Not good customer service. And, yeah. and again, all your callers have alluded to it. I, I plead, and we, we, we've done it on our side, to get onto the minister as the majority shareholder and catch these people and say, cop on a small bit okay. and start delivering for, 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 for ordinary communities. Okay, thank you, John. Uh, John Marr, councillor, John Marr, Labour Party councillor for the city. Uh, there's a tweet gone up there a few minutes ago saying there's a fire brigade attending a situation at AIB South Mall and the building, AIB, that would be 66, wouldn't it? Uh, has been evacuated and the upper windows are open, unusually open, they're saying. So there's some issue there with regards to uh, the AIB South Mall with fire brigade attending. Uh, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. A lot of texts on different topics besides the ones we've been talking about this morning. Some of them are weather related, actually. Here's a I suppose a sensible text when you think of it. Instead of people constantly, I was doing it again this morning with the 
temperatures in the UK. Instead of making a big song and dance about the weather, which country is hotter, which county is the hottest, which days are hotter, why don't people just enjoy it? These stats are just boring. Get outside, enjoy it before it's gone, because in a few weeks' time, we'll be dreaming of it. Um, somebody listening to me at the moment, or at least yesterday, in Eindhoven, 38 degrees in Eindhoven. I'm here right now, no breeze at all. I'd take 20 or 21 degrees any day, um, which is what we're getting at the moment in and around uh, 21 degrees. And then we're talking yesterday about the pressure on, uh, you know, tourist towns or whatever because of the hotels having so many refugees and so few actual, um, because of that then, so few extra beds available for uh, tourists. Every refugee wants to come to Ireland because we are the softest touch on the planet. We will host you, feed you, clothe you, provide transport for you and give you pocket money all at the expense of our own hard-working young people who don't have a bubble left after they fork out for it all, um, says a caller from Blarney. Uh, then somebody else sent me a copy of uh, Ken O'Flynn yesterday. I think this possibly was on Twitter. He was comparing the amount of refugees we've taken by comparison to other countries. He says, so far, Ireland has taken 41,000 Ukrainians. That's 83 refugees for every 10,000 people living in this country. So 83 per 10,000. He says in the UK, it's 14 per 10,000. In France, it's 14 per 10,000. In Italy, it's 24 per 10,000. And Spain, it's 27 per 10,000. But in Ireland... Um, much, much higher, 83 per 10,000. Text 0868104106. Massive response then, text-wise, with regards to love violence. So I hope to come back to that and lots more besides. But can I just, because I don't want to run out of time, we have wonderful passes to give away right across this week um, and many, many different tourist attractions have come on board on this. Uh, Cork County Council, the City Council and also many, many private tourist attractions. So these are family passes for Michael Collins House, Spike Island, Cove Heritage Centre, Camden Fort Mar, Skibbereen Heritage Centre, Yaw Clockgate Tower, um, also the Collegiate Church in Yaw, Photo Wildlife Park, Leahy's Farm, Blackrock Castle Observatory, Leisure Plaques, Cork City Jail, West Cork Secret, Zippet and Farren Woods, Clonakilty Black, Putter, Black Pudding Visitor Centre, the West Cork Model Railway Village, Shandon Bells, Cork Harbour Boat Hire Tour and also UCC. And I told you a little bit about the tour um, at, uh, at UCC. And hopefully over the next week or 10 days, I'll get to talk to a lot of the attractions themselves where they can sell us on what they do and what's available. And with that in mind, JP Quinn is the head of the UCC Visitor Centre, joins me by phone. So JP, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Lovely uh, to talk to you. You too, my friend. So we're all ears. Sell us on what exactly is involved in the UCC campus tours. What can people expect? Well, UCC is the most magical place, Liam. Uh, Neil. So for, from a kid's point of view, it's like walking into Hogwarts <laughs> because the style of architecture of the original quadrangle is perpendicular Gothic architecture, which was the prevailing style of architecture used in all the Oxford colleges. And the person who wrote the Harry Potter books was very into specific details and researched this type of architecture. So when kids come up here, the first thing they think is that they're walking into to a magical place. And then we bring them into places like the Ola Maxima, which was the largest, most complete room of the old quadrangle. And the first thing they'll see is portraits on the walls of all the original presidents. So it's almost like going into the Harry Potter stories again. And do they say that? Oh, my God, I'm in Hogwarts. 
They do, absolutely. And we, we, we have a children's programme called the Junior Conferring Programme. It's the only one of its kind in Ireland. And next summer, the 100,000 school child will have gone on this tour and we actually dress them in replica robes. So they actually look like they're actually from Hogwarts when they come around. And Amazing. on our public tours, when families come, we give the children the opportunity to wear those robes and take a photograph in the robes if they like as well. But I mean... I, I only have five minutes or so to talk to you, but I could, you could clear the week with the things I could tell you about, about UCC. Go ahead, tell um, me some more. And the things. So there's, there's some fantastic things. So I shared a tweet at the start of the week about the quadrangle, for instance, and it's had 297,000 impressions from people and, and feedback from around the world who are terrified because there's this overarching story about the quadrangle and a course, I suppose we'd look at magic again, and the idea that if you walk through the quadrangle before you graduate from college then you'll fail your exams uh, and on the tour I heard on so the tour, if you walk on the gravel path apparently on the quad exactly yeah, you're yeah. cursed and we, de- we debunk that during the tours and I tell students every year where this comes from but they still seem enamoured by it and they won't tempt fate and they won't walk through the quad and I can hear you laughing and it seems kind of ridiculous because you would think the only reason you would fail your exams is because you didn't walk in the door of the library rather than not walking through the quadrangle but there's all these new superstitions what other ones like there's, a, there's a pregnant one or something if you walk under, uh, well, under a clock well, tower well, or something well and you see that's that's kind of a generational thing because <laughs> I studied here in the 1990s and I had no awareness of that Neil right but but sometimes since the late 1990s you see students avoiding walking under the coat of arms underneath the uh, underneath the the, the main quadrangle uh, archway and they say that but I mean where like, can you walk time, on the last co- time I checked the last time I checked that's not how human physiology works needs so I'm not sure if, um, <laughs> no no they say that, that if you walk under the crest you'll make your girlfriend pregnant or something exactly no our, our, I'm sure our physiology department here would probably find <laughs> ways there's other things involved that. in that <laughs> indeed yeah but like for example our first professor of mathematics George Boo who I'm sure you'd know of and yeah. I wouldn't be on this phone talking to you without booting and logic and yeah. you wouldn't be broadcasting either and when he had his 200th um, anniversary we put a, a, a sculpture of his head outside the Boo Library which is named in his honour and since that nine years ago the nose of the statue has started to wear away and the reason for that is, is that sometime in the last nine years students have started their own new superstition which is they believe if they rub the nose of the statue before their exams then it will bring them good luck and what we've, what we've seen is, is that the nose of the statue has actually started to wear away and it's really funny Neil because like universities are supposed to be based on the principle of rational empirical data and scientific explanation but for all of these superstitions to exist so it's a real Irish kind of cultural Ooh, thing. Yeah, and long know. may it continue, though. Superstitions are pushogs, as they'd say. The Honan Absolutely. Chapel as well must be. I've never been inside there. It's, it's an amazing well, place. Well, the Honan is gorgeous. Well, actually, Neil, I've been on talking to you uh, a number of times in the past couple of years, and every time I've extended an invitation for you to come up so I can show you around. So I'd like to do that again today. And I've been in there on summer's yeah. days of the weekend. I've sat down You'll on the benches indeed, there. I'd love to show you around. Him. I'd love to show you around and show you talk to you about the Honan and talk to you about the history and the Honan has just undergone a, a refurbishment, the largest refurbishment of its, of its type since it was built in 1916, all donor funded um, major refurbishment and it is looking better than it ever had, I mean the floor has a mosaic of 500,000 pieces wow. which was imported done by an English uh, artist called Ludwig von Oppenheimer, the Oppenheimer studio, there are 19 stained glass windows in the chapel of which 11 are made by the famous stained glass window maker Harry Clark. Oh wow. Um, our environment is great to see as well. Like we you've are, got, you've got bees, haven't you? Have you got? You're making honey there. 
We do, and I was just about to say we're the eighth most sustainable university in the world as, as regarded by the United Nations and helping them achieve their development goals around sustainable development. And I was listening to you yesterday and I was listening to you talk to the guy about weather, From um, was talking about the weather, about weather and, yeah. and, and whether he was concerned and you were talking about sustainability and talking about climate change and that's something that we're really focused on here in our estates and we do things like we have wild meadow gardens and we manage our estate for wildlife uh, to, to incorporate biodiversity onto our campus and one of the things we do is we actually employ our own beekeeper Thomas Quigley, lovely man from Donegal who comes in, manages beehives for us produces our own bees, our own honey from our own bees, which is called Alma Nectar, which we sell here in the university. And one thing they say about honey is it's like a natural vaccine that people suffer from hay fever, that if you drink, if you eat the local honey, That's it. it'll almost give you a vaccination. And it has to be local, apparently, they say, don't they? Exactly. But this is the purest honey you can find. It's directly from the bees into the jars. There's no blending. It's pure honey. And we sell it in, 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 the, in the visitor centre in the North Wing, the main quad. And that led then to... I wrote a book last year called A Bee at UCC, which is how we would tell that story to children. And it's based on Bully the Bee, who is a, 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 trying to find her own path in life in UCC and her role in biodiversity and making honey. And that book is now on its eighth print. It's in every library. And in anybody that wins any of our schools, vouchers gets a free copy of that, don't they? Gets a copy of that. And I've finished the second um, The second one is called A Tree, it used to see, which looks at our trees. So we have a large arboretum here in the campus as well. We have over 2,500 trees, including the rare, one of the rarest trees in the world. We have trees like the Weeping Willow, which, for example, is used, the properties of the Weeping Willow is used to make aspirin, for instance. And so the second book is about trees and uh, how important trees are to our to our, to our We were talking about trees earlier on this morning with Bus Connect and the cutting down of trees to make roads wider and indeed, taking away people's indeed. gardens. I'd say the college is a quite enough place at the moment now. It'd be a good time it to is, visit, it, wouldn't it? It isn't. Well, it isn't actually, Neil, because uh, there's a lot of language schools um, that, are, that are here at the moment. So the place is full of Italian and Spanish and German and French kids that are here to learn English for a couple of weeks yeah. and they're staying in student accommodation and they're having their meals on campus and having their classes on campus. So they're keeping it busy and going around. But the one thing we did see was during the lockdowns when we all had to stay within our 5K, there was a lot of people started exploring UCC for the first time in their lives. And that could have been the time I went up on the Rohr, actually. It could have been during lockdown. Possibly, we were so yeah, limited, yeah. Yeah. So and the we, tour we, includes... So we have a whole new group of people that have never visited UCC before and have opened their eyes. I've, I'm discovering that more and more over the past couple of weeks. The amount of people who even live on the north side that have never rang or been up the Shandon steeple or rang the Shandon bells. So exactly, I'm encouraging yeah, people yeah. to get out and about. So the tour includes inside the Crawford Observatory, the Ola Maxima, the Oham Stone Corridor, which is terrific, the President's Garden, the Honan Chapel, that we mentioned, also the, the bees and the beekeeper and stuff like that, and lots more besides. Do people have to pre-book if they want to go themselves? No, absolutely not. We run tours every day, uh, Monday to Friday. We have a tour at half 11, which is done to try, and a lot of people have to check out their hotels by 11 o'clock, and they may have nowhere to go for a couple of hours, so we have that option for them at half 11 if they want to come up. And we also have a 3 p.m. tour uh, Monday to Friday as well, and a 12 noon tour on Saturdays as well. But we can also take group bookings. People don't need to book. They can just show up. And we have guides available to take people on tours. And the guides are all students, they're postgraduate students, and they have the same level of enthusiasm if there were 60 people on a group as there was if there were six people. Because it's the most wonderful place to study and the most wonderful place to work. And 
the guides radiate that when they walk around. The stories almost tell themselves, but we all take great pride. I've spent my whole career in UCC, and I genuinely consider myself to have the best job in the world. <laughs> it's such a wonderful place. Good I don't have to travel the world, Neil, because the world comes to me. Well you know? said. Well said. I'm sold on it, JP. Good to catch up. Thank you so much for so Neil, passes. what I'm going to do, Neil, is I'm going to send you a jar of that honey in the post today for you. Okay. okay? Yeah. And I'm going to I'll add it to my, my porridge. Directly. Yeah, and I and, and I tell you to make a difference, and I'll send you my details, and I I hope that you'll give me a shout, and I'll bring you up and show you around it, and 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 tell you some more information. Looking forward to it. Let's do it next week if possible. All right, JP, talk okay, then. Yeah. Cheers for now. Thank you very much. Thanks Super guy, Bye JP now. Quinn, the head of UCC Visitor Centre, and just before midday today, I'll give away five family passes to UCC tours. Just as we finish up this morning, five family passes when I open the phone lines. Not until then, though. The Neil Prendeville Show on Cork. Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday 0818-104-106 Alright, text 0868-104-106. Oh my god, I can't believe you haven't visited the Honan Chapel. It's well worth a visit. The mosaic on the floor and the church itself is beautiful says Karina. Well, it's not for the one to trying. It's just that any time that I've been up around there, it's always been closed or locked but hopefully that will change. Text 0868-104-106. Oh listen um, you know the ice cream challenge that we've been doing of late because up in the county meet they have what? What is it called again? The one above and the the the, the big boy. It's a, a foot tall. Um, can you talk there? Because I just want to chat with you for one second. Yesterday, Keith's cones came out to Red FM, and everybody was encouraged to try and pull the biggest and tallest cone possible. Did we share those pictures and screen grabs and videos? Yeah, we said we took a picture of Keith making his what was it a thirteen inch? What did it measure? It, it measured about well, you see, we were using a ruler which was twelve inches long, so it was longer than the ruler. It was definitely longer than the ruler from the bottom of the cone to the tip of the so ice cream. So it is cream. possible to pull a, a, a 99 100% more than 100%. a foot. 100%. I've, we've seen a few challenges around but we reckon uh, you know we're, we're challenging people obviously this week later on Thursday. Yeah so cause some of our can... attempts yesterday were quite atrocious. <laughs> put up the video people got a good laugh of it. The funniest comment I think we asked for a caption competition while you were looking at the ice cream and uh, <laughs> somebody commented saying now here's Lana with the money. <laughs> That was a good one. Well, it was me standing looking in at Keith like as if I was a child waiting for my ice cream, is it? Yeah, like a boy in short trousers. Yeah, I was, yeah. And I had the short trousers <laughs> yeah, on as well. Right. So that was yesterday here at Red. But tomorrow, thanks for that. Tomorrow, Those photographs are up on, on Twitter, is it? And Facebook and things like that? Uh, yeah, up on Twitter, yeah. Okay, I'll put some of my own Instagram later on. But tomorrow, we will be at Oodles in Mahan Point between 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock to see if we can take the title of the biggest ice cream in the country back to Cork. So we're inviting you guys to drop down and have a go yourself. Now tomorrow is market day, Mahan Point family market day, like it is every Thursday. So if you're in the area or you weren't planning and you'd like to come down and join us, we'll certainly, now the market itself is terrific and well worth a visit. So we're inviting listeners to drop down and have a go at making a 99 worthy of the biggest boy title. So if they've got the big boy in me, we'll have the biggest boy. So we want people to attempt to beat the 12-inch Whopper, all right? So we're taking over Oodles for an hour tomorrow. Philip Burke will be there. He'll be checking in from the pod because he's broadcasting from the pod tomorrow. The Red Patrollers will be on hand with all of the regular goodies. We'll be taking pictures and videos of your efforts. So if you're in the area, and added to the fact that you'll also be getting yourself a free ice cream, and it might be a mighty big one, join us at Oodles in Maham Point from 1 o'clock to 2 o'clock tomorrow. See if we can take back the title to Leeside, the biggest ice cream. So we're looking for at least a foot 
maybe even taller. All right, text 0868104106. Kevin showed me a fabulous video uh, yesterday. It must have been yesterday, the day before yesterday. Are you still there? This is the crossbar challenge, right? That happens uh, at, at all Cork City home games, is it? Yeah, every single home and game. And you're a diehard, right? Oh, I'm a home and away. Home and away. People, anybody who's listening to the show who's a City fan will probably know me and are sick of me talking about it. But uh, yeah, I'm a massive Unfortunately, massive City fan. Unfortunately, an ill draw against Galway. But tell me about the Great FM Crossbar Challenge. Well, Stuart, who's sitting in front of you now, stole the show on Friday because, you know, Stuart is a absolute diehard You want to put City those fan. headphones on there, Stuart, if you like, pal. You'll be able to hear us talking about yes, it. Yes, Stuart is just, he's a, he's a diehard City fan. Um, it's just an absolute legend you know he's just such a nice guy as well I've, you know we've run into each other as you do with Cork City it's a small place but um, at Red FM we run this crossbar challenge Colm O'Sullivan hosts it and every time every home game Stuart gets a chance to, to have a go himself and it's so funny because you have competitors trying to take part but everyone's just waiting for Stuart to get to see if Stuart can hit the bar that's all we're interested in has he been the, trying and trying and trying yep yeah, the whole season he's been he's been given a few goals by Colm and you know every time he turns away he might not get it and the whole crowd goes oh and then he gets another chance and there's a huge ramp up so uh, over 6,000 people there was about 6,300 people at the cross and Stuart went up missed his first two attempts and then this happened at the third attempt Unbelievable. It's like Stuart City's hit the crossbar. <laughs> I haven't heard a sound like that at the Cork City match in years, right. I'll tell you that much. Okay. Luke from Dennehy's and Shane from Dennehy's join me because uh, Stuart works in Dennehy's and is a diehard uh, City fan. He also joins me in the studio. Stuart, can you hear me all right there? Yeah. How's it going, pal? Uh, not too bad how did you feel when you hit the crossbar and you got a reaction like that from the 6,000 fans um, I train in um, all week you have what I train in um, you've been training yeah to, oh ahead of the of the, the yeah. crossbar challenge yeah you yeah. missed the first two did you think you were going to get the third or miss it I Tie my my beds. <laughs> <laughs> How did you feel when you hit the crossbar though and got that reaction? Oh, it um, must have been incredible. Yeah, it it <laughs> is the it is fantastic, <laughs> and I nearly did. And I I tie my beds. You did. You yeah, tried your best, and you did. Yeah, it. yeah. You kept, and you were trying for so long to do it. And it was amazing to do it with 6,000 people in the crowd. Yeah. Were um, you nervous? No. No. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> Jump in there, guys. Jump in. Pull in your mics there, Luke and Stuart. Fair play. Were you guys there? Yeah, we were with him. We were, um, what he was saying there about he was training. He went down to Regional Park that day and he told us that he, <laughs> he hit the crossbar 40 times. <laughs> He said he was ready for it because we, to be honest, we didn't expect it to go the way it did because you have only three attempts and like good soccer players have been up there, professional players, and not done it. Go away. And then all three attempts were close, like slightly over, slightly over again. And when he stood up, he, he kind of waved his hands to get the crowd going. The crowd started going, whoa. 
and he heard in the video when he hit it the place erupted Absolutely. I never heard the place like yeah. it it's a fantastic piece of video I mean it should be yeah. just you know shared everywhere it is um, and it's a moment we'll have on camera to keep forever correct like. yeah. pay Todd I like Salah um, do you like Salah I do too yeah and um, um, I always do did did <laughs> and I like them do did I know but many people can't see what you're doing now we don't have any video yeah. basically what he did was he um, he follows Liverpool and we went to Liverpool matches this year so he did the clap celebration first, ran to the crowd with the fist pump, and then he did the Salah, two uh, hands to the sky. To and te- tell me, how did the players react? They were very kind to you, weren't they? Yeah, they yeah. are. Yeah. yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you have the jersey signed and everything, I see. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm number 10. You're number 10? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're incredibly talented, you know. You make a fine player. My... My meme on my back. He has his name on the back of his jersey. Now, Stuart, yeah. Stuart works with you guys at Dennehy's, doesn't he? Yeah, 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 I am. Do you enjoy the work there? I, um, I love it. And do you get to work out as well and keep yourself fit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is he a good worker, lads? Is he a good worker, Shane? Very good. Yeah? Always hard at it. What is he doing? He brings the energy to the gyms. Yeah? Yeah. Always on hand to greet people when they're coming in. Yes. Aren't you? Yeah. And it's very important now, I mean, Stuart won't mind me saying, but uh, he lives with, with Down syndrome, um, but doesn't allow that get in his way. I mean, you know, he deals with the challenge of it and gets on with his life, doesn't he? He does. And then, to be fair, um, it's a scheme called Ability at Work through COPE. Yeah. And they came to us years ago, and Stuart was a member of the gym since 2016. And he came on as kind of work experience for a while and then they came up with this scheme where he became a full paid employee. Go away. And um, he's great. Like he has his, his work schedule every Tuesday and Thursday. He's got his um, working contract and then on the days that he's off he actually comes around to the other gyms with me and just like helps out and does what he can. What do you like to do in the gym, Stuart? Well, um, I pay time um, to I I clean yeah, and yeah, yeah. the hoofing and... You'll make sure everything is clean and tidy and ship Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Yours is a very important job, you know. Cleanliness yeah. is very important. Yeah. And, do you, I mean, I'd say you'd have no problem lifting weights yourself. Oh, yeah. No bother to you? Yeah. I'd say you'd bench 80 or 90 kilos, would you? Um, yes, um, peptide... I would like the peloton. Peloton. I would like uh, Luke. Luke. Yeah. Who's Luke? <laughs> um, I, I, I would a, a big fan like Luke. Oh, what's he want? Big biceps, yeah, is it? Biceps like Luke. <laughs> yeah. Big biceps like Shane. Do <laughs> you like Shane's biceps? They're enormous. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where'd yeah, you yeah. get them? <laughs> Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um, I walk in every week, Tuesday and Thursday. Tuesdays and Thursdays, yeah. and you'll love it. And then... Um, What's your next challenge going to be now? To score a goal against a city goalkeeper, I'd say, maybe? Uh, in the back of the net, what do you think? 
couple of penalties. Yeah, yeah, it is. yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the man for that. You, you'll be I doing know. the Salah celebration then. Yeah, <laughs> he's a legend. He's a legend. You're the legend at the moment, Stuart. Yeah, the crossbar. Me, yeah. I'm so glad you popped in to say hello. I'm going to reshare the video again so people can see it because it's a brilliant piece of footage. It is, it is. Fair play. Yeah. Lads, thanks for coming in, Luke. Appreciate seeing you. Thanks, Neil. Good luck to everybody out in Denny's. Luke, Shane, and the legend himself, Stuart. Cheers, pal. I'm on on the <laughs> On the ball, that's right. Back after the break. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. All right, I love that one. Douches, Stuart Boy, gone down as the I was there moment with like, just like Healy's bicycle kick. It really was. It must have been an incredible thing to be there for that and to witness it. It must have been just amazing. 6,000 people and Stuart hitting the crossbar. God knows he has challenges enough in life and it was great that he got it on the third. And you know, that's the thing, like, I know that like, it's as I say City is a small enough community so everybody kind of knows everybody and everybody in the ground knows Stuart so everybody and I love the inclusivity in the workplace that Dennehy's are doing and other companies like them I had a couple of I had a young man and a young woman in recently about two years ago they both live with Downs and they work um, one of them is a clerical assistant in the CUH mm. and, and another one works with the Unpost mm. all this and inclusivity we in the workplace we were speaking to Joanna brilliant. from District 11 do you remember we were talking about the ability at work scheme that was being run by the, the oh, bring it on man bring it on yeah, bring absolutely. it on okay good stuff that was a, a, a must be their moment that <laughs> <laughs> I'll never forget it it'll go down in the annals of Turner's Cross history along with the fellow who almost fell off the ladder trying to watch a match once that was another well, well will you reshare that video again for people that might have missed <laughs> yeah, it okay appreciate that listen there are a lot of texts coming in I don't have time for them right now so I'll let them go particularly the ones on, on banks and cash and you know bus connect and issues like that so we'll pick it up in the morning but I have uh, tourist passes to give away and we still have lots to do uh, across July and hopefully we'll have some to get us through uh, August as well we'll see how it goes but this morning uh, our giveaway is for UCC and we chatted with UCC a few minutes ago so this is uh, five family passes for the UCC tours. All right, tomorrow we'll do another one and so on and so forth. So we're choosing UCC family tour passes to give away right now. Lines are open on 0818104106. Get dialing, win a family pass, and then go at a time that suits you for the UCC campus tours. It runs through the visitor centre in UCC. All right, 0818104106. For all other business, we'll pick it up tomorrow. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.